Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 277. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, hey, if you guys see a commercial for something called Silver Shamrock, don't don't watch it. Alright? Just just keep going past. Like, it's not good. It is Halloween Eve uh, at the time of recording. Uh, by the time you get the episode publicly, it will be Halloween itself, uh, at the very least, if not past and beyond Halloween. Uh, and he can I- actually leave his house, and people won't think he's wearing a mask. <laughs> great. Uh, and I do realize saying Halloween Eve's a bit weird, because Halloween itself is All Hallows' Eve, so what I really just said was All Hallows' Eve Eve. But that's okay, no one cares about that anymore. Yeah, ha- Halloween's the important as, one. As I learned from a, a history TikTok this week, that the the holiday from which it's based on Samhain, Samhain, however we're pronouncing it, um, actually starts at, at sundown. Is that that's how their calendar works? So, um, yeah, Halloween doesn't actually start technically until the night of. So when when is Halloween Eve? Eve is it the next day? Is that the real? I don't know. But pagan holidays are weird. I don't know if I have the, the mental capacity right now to even <laughs> comprehend the question you just asked me. Uh, this is a DC Comics podcast. We get together with read our DC books and we talk about them. Um, although Matt conveniently forgot about the biggest one of the week. Not, not conveniently. My shop didn't get in the end. Uh, and then I forgot about it. There was nothing convenient about it. Yes. So. Uh, so coming up on this week's show, I will be discussing Batman, the long Halloween special, issue one. Uh, but then we'll also have Detective Comics 1044, DC vs. Vampires issue 1. I assume Matt read Checkmate issue 5, because he's... Unfortunately, I did. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yes. I, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yes. Uh, Robin issue 7, Wonder Girl issue 4, Task Force Z issue 1. Uh, Matt did read Deathstroking issue 2, I did not, but he seemed excited to talk about it, so, um, uh, and then, of course, I have a Patreon book uh, with American Vampire Survival of the Fist issue 3, so that is what's coming up book-wise on this week's show, and there isn't really much in the way of of news, but have no fear, there's always going to be a top 10. I'm going to ace this one, I'm ready this week. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, so this is the top 10 in comicsology at the time of recording for uh, new releases. Uh, Matt, have, have you got a guess at number one? Amazing Spider-Man 77. Uh, no. Damn. Well, I quit. <laughs> it's the last time I prepare for anything. I will say it is a pretty unremarkable week for DC in that Marvel are dominating this top 10 quite considerably. So if it's not Spider-Man, it's got to be an X-Book then, right? Uh, yeah, Inferno issue two. Okay. Are they just redoing uh, every event they did in the nineties again? They are. Like, <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw an ad somewhere. It might have been. I was looking up something. I don't remember. But apparently, Madeline Pryor's back, and I was just like, oh, okay. So you know, it, it's not just movies that are running stuff from thirty years ago back. Mm. It's comics too. Oh, well. Uh, number two is Star Wars Darth Vader, issue 17. Number three is Marauders, issue 25. Number four is Amazing Spider-Man, issue 77. Number five is Sword, issue 9. That's just right. The top five are all Marvel books. Uh, feel feel that pain. That, that's a shame, because a, a bit of my mental state is this is this is a really good week for DC Comics. Mm. So it's, it's a bit sad they're not in the top. 
Yeah, uh, Detective Comics does come out at number 6 though, so that's nice at least then. Daredevil 35 at number 7. Number 8 is Wolverine 17. Number 9 is Robin issue 7, so we got a second DC book. Oh, there we go. Uh, and then Once in Future uh, rounds out the top 10. That's issue 21 of that oh. particular book. Uh, I mean, the rest of the DC stuff is basically all in the next row. So, you know, your number 19 through 23 are all Great. DC. It's Wonder Girl, Checkmate, Vampires, Task Force, Long Halloween. Like, all of it's there. I think the, the, the thing about this week's books for DC is, though, is other than Detective Comics, it's not your big mainline books. It's all these fun spin-off miniseries and yep. things like that. Uh, and those don't tend to sell as well. Well, I say that, but then you look at Marvel's top five there, and you've got Inferno 2 of 4, and, well, Sword, or something, I don't know. People like Sword, I guess. Uh, I guess, I don't I don't know. I'm so out, I am, I am so behind on all my Marvel stuff. Um, Like, even, even Hulk, which I was big on, I'm super far behind, I know that's ended now. And then Aaron's Avengers, I'm behind on, which is funny, because the last thing I remember reading... They were dealing with vampires, and now DC's doing vampires, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, but they were doing incontinuity vampires, so they couldn't just kill off everyone yes. at the drop of a right. hat. Uh, right. More on that later. <laughs> more on that later. Uh, yeah, so pretty unremarkable top 10. Not a great showing for DC, at least at the time of recording. Obviously, it varies day to day and all the rest of it, but, uh, yeah, so... There you go. I, you know, I have to be honest. I I see a lot of these Marvel books that are are doing well, and it it's when I see books like this. It's like it's one like see when I see a good run on Daredevil, a good run on Cap, mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm like, oh, these may be interesting. Maybe I'll be into these. But when mm-hmm. I see like you know an Inferno miniseries and then Marauders and Sword, I'm like, I have no interest in even trying to follow I, any I of this. I feel like if you're a Marvel fan, like cut from the same cloth as me. You get annoyed when X-Men's in the top because it's like, oh, it's just because it's X-Men. You know, just like I always will chalk up, oh, Batman sells because it's Batman. Uh, I feel like you can say the same over there with, with X. Um, so, and it might be good. I don't know. Just like the, the Bat stuff lately has been really good, so I don't complain as much. But, yeah, it, it just seems people go for their franchises, and that's it. Yeah, maybe this is out of the loop, but I've just I've never heard anyone talk anything nice about something called Marauders. Like, a <laughs> well, I have, I have, because that was the Kitty Pride book, and the whole point when it started was she couldn't get onto Krakoa when or Krakatoa, whatever one it is, in the Living Island, um, because of you know for whatever reasons, like all mutants were supposed to be able to get there, she couldn't. At one point, she dies and then gets resurrected, and it's a whole big deal. So, like, I remember people talking about that book from the beginning. Um, I don't know if it still has the same buzz. So, um, but I actually have no idea. After after the the, the minis, the Hawks Pox stuff, I was out on X-Men because I'm like, this is very Hickman-y, and that's not my bag. So, you know, I, I cut out and, and refocused on Hulk and Cap. Um, and then I got very behind on those, too. So I have no idea what's going on in the X. Like, I don't know if this Inferno is a big deal. I don't know if they're course correcting from Hawksbox. Um, but I, I do know that the Marauders are still around. So, yeah. Uh, uh, that's my general reaction to a lot of these Marvel books. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. 
Oh dear, but yes, I suppose this is your Halloween special, uh, if we even have such a thing on this show, uh, given that it's Halloween weekend. Um, I got a big stream now, it's pointless me advertising the big 12 hour stream because by the time most people yep. get this it'll be too late to uh, go and check it out, but uh, I am doing a big 12 hour stream tomorrow, so it'll be fun, watch some movies, I got some caramel ding-dongs to try that someone yep. bought for me. That sounds like something you call Connor. <laughs> Caramel ding dong. Uh, <laughs> it's an ironic thing because he's so pasty. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. I thought you were trying to somehow turn ginger into caramel. Oh, no, no, no. In your head. Uh, it just sounds like a funny insult for Connor. I, I remember one time a friend of mine got like uh, pretty, pretty wasted. And had me take him to Walmart so he could buy something called Caramel Ho-Hos that he was very excited about. And he found them and ate the entire box in a sitting. So... Do you say caramel is caramel? Is that how you pronounce caramel? Yeah, caramel. Yeah. Yeah. We don't don't respect the second A. It's just caramel. (sighs) Caramel apples, you know. Caramel popcorn. Caramel candy. Yeah. Same with mobile... Y'all say mobile. Mobile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, aluminum instead of aluminium. You're just ignoring parts of the word. Yeah. For no yeah. good reason. Yeah. Uh, okay. You guys go and add extra use into like favorite and, <laughs> and color. So, hey, we ignored those. We're going to ignore other ones. <laughs> yeah, but at least those ones still sound the same phonetically. <laughs> I mean, if I say caramel, people know what I'm talking about. Uh, you say crayon or crayon? Crayon, crayon, yeah, yeah, crayon, yeah. And you yeah. also so add an. They're saying, but you add an extra ones to other words though, like vehicle. You just say vehicle, vehicle, vehicle. Maybe you don't. No, but... You say vehicle if you live down below the Mason Dixon line. Okay, I'm not saying all Americans do it, but clearly enough of you do. I've heard it. (laughs) You know. I was like me coming after you for for Scrooge McDuck, Pete. Come on now. You don't sound like Scrooge McDuck. Thank you, I guess. Uh, That's one thing to establish. Uh, (laughs) Alright, we can talk about books. We don't have to faff about. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's how we end up talking about wrestling, which we already did before recording. That's true. That's yeah. usually where we we diverge into into nonsense wrestling talk. But we already yeah. kind of did that. Uh, we already did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Okay. Well, okay. Let's just start with books then. Let's get into the comics for the week. Cool. Uh, what, Batman. What are we jumping into first? Oh. I got my list here. Okay. We start it. All right. <laughs> Batman, the Long Halloween special issue one. Jeff Lowe, Brighton with Tim Sale on the art. This is your, your team back from Long Halloween and Dark Victory. And it is a follow-up to Dark Victory. This is referencing things. This is set relatively soon after. I mean, you know, it's maybe a bit of time has passed, but it's not. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, Robin's still new. Um, we get Barbara Gordon interest in this. Although they're interestingly going the... Uh, the uh, the niece route rather than the the daughter route. Weird, but okay. Yeah, that's well. If I remember correctly, 
uh, the three specials they did before they did Long Halloween. Uh, you know, they did like a. I think the trade's called Haunting Night, but it's like the three okay. like fifty-page specials like this one is that they did mm-hmm. before. Um, I believe one of those stories was about Barbara having to be adopted by Jim. Okay. Because of uh, like that might have been original continuity because yeah. I remember there was James Junior. Um, and then I remember that because isn't Gordon's wife named Barbara? Yes. As well. Yeah. So I think that was a little. Um, but okay. I mean, she saw Barbara Gordon, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a big deal, really, in the grand scheme it's, of it's things. It's not Alfred's niece, a la you know Batman and Robin. Oh yeah, so that so, stupid thing. Yeah, no, so much she's yeah. all Babs, uh, and they yeah. kind of introduce her in a Batgirl kind of way in this, which is a little bit weird, and that she just w- dresses up as Batgirl for Halloween, and wants to go trick or treating with Robin. <laughs> so, I'll, okay, I like that. Yeah, because yeah, Batman or Gordon asks Batman it's the signal. Hey, my uh, my niece wants to wants to ask you if your new kid Robin will go trick or treating with her. And much to his surprise, he actually shows up with Robin later in the issue, uh, so they can go trick or treating. So we're dealing with a fairly young uh, Dick and Babs in this. Um, but now, right away, it's like it, there's you know it's newspaper clippings of Harvey Dent. It's that Tim Sale art, so you feel like you're right back in the the Long Halloween universe. Uh, and the general premise of this story is that Calendar Man is pissed about the Holiday Killer. He's pissed that his gimmick was taken. Okay. So he comes after Gelda and Harvey Dent because of this. He's livid. Mm. <laughs> that is the Does Calendar Man look like Sean Gunn? Who's Sean Gunn? He's, he's who was the Calendar Man in, in uh, Suicide Squad. James Gunn's. Oh, James Gunn's uh, yeah, yeah. his brother. Um, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say so, no. He looks a bit chunkier. No. Uh, and gotcha. This, I would I would say if Anthony's got more of a a Bendis look <laughs> to him. Oh, <laughs> if anything. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, but you know, I mean, it's a fifty-page, but I won't go through it scene by scene necessarily. But the, I mean, I mean, I'll say this: it feels good to be back in this world. Uh, generally speaking, I enjoyed the premise. Uh, I did think the odd little bit of characterization here or there uh, was a little bit much. Or I'd say it was also a couple of moments where it kind of felt like when it was referencing things from Dark Victory and Long Halloween, it felt a little bit, I don't want to say fan servicey, but just a little bit like, oh, you're maybe over-referencing things a little bit just to, and part of it may just be the way to remind people of things because they're they're actually continuing that continuity, uh, right. which I, I wasn't so sure like how tied it was going to be. I mean, I, obviously it was going to be Tennessee Alert. I figured it would probably be in continuity, but I didn't think it was going to be, no, this is a continuation in what happened to Harvey and Gilda after. And and I do actually really like the premise. The calendar man be, being pissed that his gimmick was taken. It's great. It's good. He, he goes on a rant. He's like, the Riddler's got those stupid riddles. You know, Joker's, well, he's just Joker. And like, right. you know, everyone's got their gimmick. But somehow my gimmick was taken from me, and he's pissed that the spotlight was taken, and now that there's like almost someone in this universe who is associated more with holiday crime <laughs> than he is, and he's not happy about it. Uh, so he's stealing all these gems uh, that are related to months of the year, and Batman's trying to track him down, but he kidnaps Gilda at one point. Harvey makes a deal with uh, with Batman about going after them. Um, 
Robin gets involved when he sees the bat signal go up and sort of ditches Babs, but not in a bad way. Like she doesn't seem to mind. Uh, we see Gilda and Harvey reunited. Solemn Grundy's in there. He's been kind of working with Harvey as like a sort of bodyguard. Uh, nice little touch that I liked is that James Gordon Jr. on Halloween, uh, who's like a toddler or maybe like five at most, um, mm-hmm. he's dressed as a little devil, which I thought was quite funny, given that yeah. you know, in, in main continuity, he grows up to be a villain and a serial killer. So, you know. I thought that was a, a, neat, a nice touch. Uh, I like that Harvey at one point like smashes or covers up half of the bat signal so that when he turns it on, it's just half of the bat signal. So it's like a two-faced That's very version. Two-faced. Yeah, so it's a nice little touch. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and we have them meeting on the roof again. We have more of the Garden Batman like dynamic between them. Uh, and it, honestly, it read very well. It's like fifty pages. It went in fairly quick. It did not feel like a slog at all. Uh, so you know, credit where credit is due. I you know, I, I think Loeb and sales, or not say I shouldn't say sale, but Loeb's writing has definitely not always been great. And it, right. it you know, stuff that he did in the two thousands onwards is a bit more sketchy and hit and miss. Uh, but also this felt like it was back in the the mold. I, I don't think it's as good mm-hmm. as like Long Halloween or Dark Victory. Uh, it's but it does feel like it is part of that world again. And for better or worse, I think if you're wanting to be back in that world, there's uh, things to like. Um, but you know what? It has that art style. It has those types of layouts. Uh, the flat colors, all that stuff. Batman with his long ears. Uh, he pulls a Mission Impossible at one point where him and Harvey have swapped places and he pulls off a mask and it looks like the cowl's on under the mask and I'm like, how did the, like, did, did the ears like fold down and then sort of like, stick up as soon as you took the mask off? That's like, so stupid, but I love it. Like, you know? what, what was the the process of this? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so so, it's, it's, so the, the big action is that Batman and Harvey have to like take on Calendar Man and save Gilda. Uh, and Batman does beat the shit out of Calendar Man. He's got blood all over his fists. Um, and Robin's kind of questioning that a little bit. Um, right. So, yeah. But in the end, Gilda and Harvey, like, you know, they've got a little boat and they, they sail away out of the sea. Um, and it's like, well, th- this is not over. So this is the big thing, is there was news last week that implying that... Loeb and Sale wanted to do more Batman after this. And reading this story, it's very clear that that's the intention. Uh, because when it gets to the end, they're talking about how, you know, is, is it possible that Harvey could come back to us? Like, he could become Harvey Dent again? And Batman says that, I mean, I think we were a bit naive there. I think Two-Face was always part of Harvey, just under the surface, mm-hmm. you know, waiting to come out. Uh, but it kind of ends on this, like, well... Harvey and Gilda have got something going on, uh, and the Calendar Man uh, knew about whatever it was, and now Batman suspects something, and it just ends with him jumping off the rooftop from Gordon and says the end for now. So, clearly, they're yeah. planning on more now. Well, all that means they're just going to do like some specials every Halloween for a couple of years, uh, and do the story that way, or if it means an actual miniseries at some point, like the long yeah. Halloween, I don't know. Uh, I think I would lean towards maybe just a couple of more specials, like one next Halloween, one the Halloween after. Make it maybe a bit of a trilogy yeah. of fifty-page specials, rather than. It's, it's I, a shame that we already know the um, the solicitations that we're not getting one around Christmas because yeah. quarterly would be pretty cool. Oh, that would be neat. You know? 
Uh, I, I think I'm just being cynical there. I don't really believe these two committing to a monthly book at any point, even if it is just no. 12 issues. Yeah. So, yeah. and maybe every other month, maybe they'll do a thing like, oh, it'll be bi-monthly, and you'll get one every other month for mm-hmm. two years or something. Maybe they'll do something like that. But if I was to guess, I would expect another couple of Halloween specials over the next couple of years, and, uh, you know, just hope we'd remember anything <laughs> what that happened in the previous year's book because that's a long time away between issues uh that I, I felt like as much as they were shooting maybe a bit too much for nostalgia at a couple of points it, there was a comfort blanket feeling to reading this and it's you know T- tim sale's art's not always perfect right it's a very distinct style and there's definitely the odd face or whatever where it's like okay that's this is not necessarily where the strong parts of this art lie but Whenever you see, there's a, there's a panel towards the end where Gordon's coming to see Batman at the crime scene, and he does like sort of red light hit in his face from like the the police mm. siren or the ambulance uh, siren, and the way it's just these flat colors with the black, but the red sort of creates the shape of the mustache and the way it kind of hits his hat. It just you know it looks really good. It, it definitely has that cartoony noir look that I would describe it's, Long it's Halloween very and Dark stylized. Victory. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like his Joker, ginormous teeth and jaw, right? Like, like when you look at the cover of the Long Halloween, you know. But it, it's not bad. It's Tim Sale. Like, there's there's a reason for it. So, you know. Yeah, uh, I had a good time. I had a good time. I I would say that uh, it was a nice trip down memory lane, and I'm down for more. Once in a while. Like, I, I think, you know, getting another one of these next year would be cool. Uh, and it's a far more exciting way to celebrate Halloween with a DC comic than, say, a 100-page anthology book with a bunch of 10-page stories. Yeah, which most of which are kind of not as good, you know? This yeah. has seems at least has quality there with Loeb and Sale reteaming for the first time since, like, when? Is it, was it when in Rome? Uh, was that before or after Captain America White? I can't remember. Oh, okay, that would have been before. I forgot about those. I forgot that one existed. Yeah, well, that was late as well, because they did, they did, you know, Hulk yeah. Gray and Spider-Man Blue were ages ago, and then... I mean, it's and been a while since... Ca- yeah, and it's been, it's been a while since Captain America White now, but at the time, it t- you know, it was a while between right. the, the previous three and that one, so... Right. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a comfort blanket, especially... I think a lot of people read Long Halloween as one of their earlier uh, Batman books, in terms of like when they're mm-hmm. just starting out in comics. So I think for a lot of people, there will be a, a comfort blanket feeling to this. And uh, but in Dark Victory, I mean, I always recommend Dark Victory. I feel like Dark Victory gets overshadowed and no one like bothers to recommend it. And it should be recommended, because it is really good. Yeah. I, I have it. I just, I've never read it. I should, when I get some time, I should definitely... Go for it, but it's a, it is a big, thick trade, like, you know. It's just an easy trade, though. It's, it's 13 issues. It's, a, it's an easy one. Really. Should read it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, uh, as far behind as... Behind me. I'm sure, I'm sure they can see it behind me, so... Oh, sure. Uh, as far as rating this goes, I, I, I would, uh... It's tough. Because I... Part, part of me doesn't know if I'm doing this out of, like, 
not nostalgia, but out of just like the 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 happy feeling that this generally has with it uh, over the. But the, the concepts are good. The art is good. You know, the odd little complaints, not like huge. I, I think I'll give it an eight out of ten. I'm going to be reserved on this one and not give it too high a rating. Uh, I'll just say I had a really good time with it, and I think people who want more of that universe are probably going to enjoy the the fifty pages with it. But uh, at the same time, though, it's not reinventing the wheel. It is very like you know, like by relying so much on the continuity of Long Halloween and Dark Victory, it's also not doing anything spectacularly new either. If it, if anything, the concept of Calendar Man being pissed that his gimmick was stolen is. It's almost like in the last 20 years, like, some people have said that jokingly, like, hey, isn't Calendar Man kind of pissed that, you know, isn't this Calendar Man's yeah. thing? And it's almost like they put that in as a as a, an answer to that, so. Well, yeah, because people also suspected Calendar Man early. I remember that being part of the thing, right? Because it wasn't Long Halloween. It's kind of a mystery who the holiday killer actually was. Like, they really hint that it's it's Gilda, but... There were people out there that thought it was might, might be Calendar Man orchestrating things. Hmm. I think I remember that. So, so the fact that Loeb brings it back around, that is a, a fun little piece. Yeah, it's not bad though. Uh, I I think it's a it's a nice treat as a as a one off thing, and uh, we can get the occasional one one off thing after is a nice idea too. So yeah. There you go, Batman Long Halloween special. Nice trip down memory lane. Uh, if nothing revolutionary uh, in and of itself. So, mm-hmm. Detective Comics 1044, Mariko Tamaki writing with Dan Mora on the art. Uh, so, whipping Let's go. back into current continuity. Mm-hmm. We have Batman and Mira Nakano trapped in the sewers and the caverns beneath Gotham City. Yeah, uh, more I'll just say straight out has so much fun with the shadows in this one. There's there's one panel in particular that has Nakano on one end, uh, like behind, like this. It is that like the egg sack wall, right? Yeah, but it looks like a big like glass, and Batman's on the other, and they're just surrounded by darkness, and it's such a great looking page. Yeah, no, the art in this is fantastic. Uh, the the whole theme of this issue is that the water supply in Gotham is is pretty shitty, and there's a lot of comparing that to the political system in Gotham, which is pretty mm-hmm. shitty. Uh, so that's kind of and obviously they're down in the sewers, they're down in like the areas where all the the worst of the water is going through. So there's a, there's a lot of thematic stuff going on there. Um, but a lot of this is Batman trying to find the cano, and then when he does find them, they're, they're sort of separated by, like, rubble. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's trying to get through to him. He's talking to Oracle. Uh, the the bad guys who took over City Hall are there, and they're making demands. And they're not actually a big concern. Uh, we, we basically mm-hmm. just get, like, a fun few pages of where Batwoman shows up acting like she doesn't yeah. know what's going on, and then, like, puts her mask on and kicks their ass. It's just a fun little sequence. That's... The reds and blacks and browns on that page where she mm-hmm. walks in and they're like, who are you? And just, and then she, you know, put, pulls her mask on. Um, it just, the coloring on that page is great. And then more is just there's a really nice... the way that, that it flows. Like, it's very cinematic. Yeah, there's a really nice uh, attention to, like, color choice in a lot of these pages. Like, early on, the second page is at the morgue and it's just the... Uh... Like they're they're talking about the parasitic infection and like they're moving like the the bodies around and stuff. 
And there's a panel at the bottom, or a couple of panels that show that there's a couple of the, the Ed Sacks and some blood uh, around the caster, yeah. around the wheel. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's very notable to me in that page that there's no red of any kind and except for that. So it really sticks out. No, it's very blue-gray drab. Yeah. And then you get to the bottom of the page and the red sticks out instantly. And then the next and page have- is the same thing. You know, you get, you get the uh-huh. Ed Sacks and everything else is all blacks and mm-hmm. muted grays and maybe some very, very muted greens. Uh, I was getting uh, aliens vibes from this. Oh sure, yeah. Just with with the darkness and the egg sacks and all of that stuff. Um, uh, so, but no, it's just man, Mora and and Tamaki. This is this is a, a match made in heaven. So yeah, the egg sacks obviously begin to hatch. It's where, where Batman's on the other side of rubble. So he's talking to Nakano. They're hearing each other. He's trying to tell Nakano to trust them. Uh, and Nakano's like, "This thing's hatched," and the little you know, monsters, the parasites from uh, Vile yep. start coming for him. And he, he's able to sort of fend off one of them uh, and, like, sort of smash, because it goes into his hand and he smashes it with uh, something. Um, and they keep debating about, like, you know, trusting Batman, the Cano's mm-hmm. attitude towards him. Uh, that that debate kind of rings on, but then more of the egg sacs start to hatch and we get more to the, the horror movie stuff that this has got going. So that's another good, that's another good issue, actually, for Halloween week. Uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I thought that one. This is the first thing I read this week, and I was like, "Oh man, we're starting off strong <laughs> here uh, with Halloween week." So, but yeah, just when they're, they're crawling all over them, and like they're they're scorpion esque, like so it's just there's this deep innate sense that I'm just it's off putting to see them crawling to Kano, um, yeah. and just the whole trust me. And he, he says, you know, the human bodies have survived shocks at more than 10 amps. This is considerably more. And it's just like, uh, Bruce is really taking a gamble with the mayor here. Oh, well, yeah, for uh, context for that, that's when he, he his yeah. plan is to electrocute him to kill all the parasites. Yeah. Uh, to get him off. Yeah. And we actually end with not knowing if he's... Because he's, he's applying CPR at the end of the issue. We don't actually get to see if yeah. he... Uh, succeeds right. or not but there's a lot of stuff before that with uh in the art with like all the the crawlies crawling all over him and I'm splashing yeah. about in the water uh you mentioned the shadows there's a couple of panels where he's like bef- yeah. before the hatch completely where he's shining the light from his phone onto it mm-hmm. uh, and it's just like darkness around him but there's just this you know sort of triangle of light and then the red pyramid of eggs like it just all of it looks really spooky atmospheric uh like all this is good stuff and you know, the debate in the middle of Batman trying to say to him, look, look you, you've been in your position long enough now that it's not this black and white thing uh, that ultimately, like, you, you don't really trust the magistrate and you, you can't just assume that the, the vigilantes of Gotham aren't needed. Like, it's way more complicated than that. And even if you're not willing to admit it, you, you're kind of starting to believe it. You're starting to see it. Uh, but, yeah, but like you say, he electrocutes Nakano to kill all the parasites and he's trying to... Uh, have CPR at the end of the issue, pounding on his chest, uh, and that's kind of the the, the cliffhanger. As uh, is, is this yeah. going to wake back up uh, as we see some of these bugs being washed out of the the, the drains of the streets of Gotham? Yeah. So. All kind of icky. Oh yeah. You're just like yeah. Who who still lives in Gotham? Right. Like. <laughs> that's a great question. People who can't afford to move somewhere else. That's the only yeah. real explanation. I've- I remember listening to a thing a long time ago where they talk about like Gotham must have like a great like indie band scene because the rent's super cheap. So mm-hmm. you have all these indie bands flocking to Gotham to record their first album 
because it's you know it's a big city but it's affordable and that always cracked me up yeah so. uh the, the the page where batman says trust me i want to talk about the the, the motion in that page mm-hmm. i mean all, all of this stuff where the parasites are crawling all over him it's all these angular panels uh that are yeah you know distorted and kind of it, it really gives you this sense of motion and the splashing around but that that page in particular the back the background of the page is a full page sort of panel of uh of Nakano screaming please as all the crawlies are going all over him. But the other two panels in the page, the, the panel where Batman says, trust me, is this angular panel that's very vertical and it matches kind of the, the shape of him at the time because he's on the grapple wire mm-hmm. and he sort of came down and he says, trust me. And then the panel at the bottom, which is almost a diamond shape, is him firing the uh, the electric gun or whatever you want to call it. The ta- Well, a taser, mm-hmm. I guess is the, <laughs> the, the word that yeah. people would use. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, but like just the motion of this and the way those angular panels really give you the sense of him just sort of like zipping down and then like sort of having a badass one liner saying, Trust me, right before he fires this off. Like there's a good sense of motion to everything. Uh so yeah. But basically what I'm trying to say is more is killing it. Uh not just yeah. in terms of like well, detail and an animation, but also in the serialized nature of it as well. Right. Yeah, his layouts are, are fantastic. Um but yeah, just the, it says it, it, it could kill him and me, you know, so he pulls himself up out of the water, and so he says, trust me. And it's almost like Batman's also talking to himself. Like he has to trust himself to know this is right, you know? Because imagine this goes wrong, and it looks like Batman killed the mayor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like... Um, yeah, it would not look good, yeah. would it? It would uh, just no. add to the narrative, as, as you will. Yeah. Uh, so, but that was a main story. I had a good fun time with it. I don't know if it's up to the caliber of when it's not having to like sort of like not do anything too big because Fear State's going on. But as tie-ins go, this was an enjoyable little spooky, creepy yeah. monster issue. Uh, yeah. I, I like that it's keeping the vile stuff going. Mm-hmm. So I like that it, we're not already just moving on to something else, and you know we're not focusing on Nero nineteen. You know the who are the people that took over the mayor's office. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that, we're still doing the that's like an aside that you know that that's what put Nakano in this situation, but mm-hmm. that's dealt that's dealt with quickly, and it's just a sort of fun, almost like, almost like a joke scene where where they just jump yeah. to Batwoman like instantly. Yeah. So, you know, fun stuff. Uh, what are you giving the main story of Detective? Uh, I mean, it's an eight point five. Uh, I th- I think I'm inclined to agree with that. It was really good stuff. Uh, the backup story is a new uh story, a uh, multi part story by Stephanie Phillips writing. Uh, and David Lapham on the art. And this is about the, the building of Arkham Tower uh, in Gotham. Well, like, and yeah. Arkham Asylum. Well, yeah, and the it's flashback. Yeah, yeah. How, how just naming something Arkham spreads this curse that's been there from the beginning, which um, I, I, I complain about Batman stuff a lot, but I love the history of Gotham. Like, there's just something about it that, you know, that Metropolis kind of doesn't have, like, they kind of touched on it in the Jimmy Olsen book, but just, it's so much more fleshed out in, in the Bat books that I'm, I'm a sucker for it. And so I almost skipped it just because I was like, oh, just, it's a backup. I have other things to read, but I, I'm glad I ended up reading it. I, it's, I, it's pretty you know, decent. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to think the first couple of pages, because the first couple of pages, it's a flashback to, like, the foreman when they were first building Arkham Asylum. Uh, long ago went nuts and basically killed it was basically it basically went uh 
Jack Torrance on his crew. Yeah, as I say, uh, The Shining. That's the sex, oh, effectively what happened. Yeah. Uh, but then we cut to present day, and we're, we've got this new Arkham Tower, which is it's actually Hugo Strange's tower that's been renovated into a new skyscraper version of Arkham, which is just a wonderful idea uh, for everyone except the people in Gotham. Go <laughs> yeah. As a yeah, reader, though, it's a wonderful wrong. idea. <laughs> I can't wait for the Arkham Tower nonsense to happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you got Nakano trying to justify this to the press. Who are all like, "Are you insane? Like nothing good comes from Arkham. It's just terrible yeah. idea." Um, there's a crazy old man saying, "You're all mad. This is this is not going to work." Uh, and uh, sure enough, we get some nighttime stuff at the tower at the construction of it, where there's workmen who are you know creeping about in the dark. And sure enough, I don't know if it's the foreman necessarily, but one of the workers is like buying his head against yeah. the wall, which matches what the foreman in the flashback was doing earlier. And mm-hmm. sure enough, he turns around and attacks him. But of course, unlike the flashback, we have a Batman to jump in. And that's actually the cliffhanger, yep. so we don't really get any much further. But to be honest, I actually think the amount this sets up in this, like, you know, eight, ten pages, whatever it is, yeah. is the right amount where it felt like it wasn't just giving me nothing. Uh, but I'm glad it didn't try to go further. I think if it tried to go further beyond this point, it would have felt rushed. So Yeah, uh, for sure. It, it's well-paced, because I do like because you have Bruce listening in to Nakano talk about this, because he wants to be like, no, we're, we're not putting Arkham Tower in. Um, he wants to try to talk him out of it. So there's there's a lot there that, you know, I like when we see Bruce trying to move as Bruce Wayne, not just as Batman. Um, and, uh, you know, Nakano just kind of shrugs him off um, and how Nakano says he's not going to budge on this. Uh, and we even get a harbinger, like in a typical horror movie, where there's this, you know, crazy, what looks like homeless person. It's God Death Curse! Yeah, the mayor, the reporters, the entire city, you're all mad! <laughs> uh, you're doomed! That's all I could think of. Um, this is definitely and, fitting and, into the horror vibe that the book generally has yeah. right now, as this backup yeah. story. So, um... But yeah, so just the whole idea of the the whole name Arkham being cursed and what that means for the city, I really like that. And then when we get to the whatever's wrong with with the foreman or whatever's causing this, um, like you said, now we have a Batman to to go off of. And uh, Lapham's art here really works because it's in the daytime. It feels very you know just like regular. I don't say that's not house style. But it, it looks as it should. But then when we get to the parts with, you know, in the dark, it becomes a Batman book. And when Batman shows up at the end, it's it it it's very pulpy, kind of. Like, Batman's very square mm. in here. Um, and just the way that it plays with the light there. Uh, it's I, I'm very excited to see where this goes. It, it might be the first thing I've read from Stephanie Phillips that I went, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is, this, this is this is I'm here for this. Yeah, this is my favorite thing from her as well. I think at this point, uh, yeah, the, that last page, uh, Batman jumping through the window as the crazy like workers strangling the other guy. Uh, there's a lot of smart things with the lighting on that page. Like if you, so the bottom half of the page is lit effectively by the the torch mm-hmm. that one of them dropped. Right. So they've got this kind of harsh light right in their face, like something you know, almost like someone's just dropped a flashlight right next to them. Right. But then in the top half of the page. You have Batman coming through the window, and he's lit by the sort of the the the, the lower, like more ambient, like nightlight of the city. And, 
you know, it's just this, yeah, this, this the soft glow of Gotham. Yeah, it's just a soft glow. So it, there's a nice contrast between the two halves of the page and how yep. each part of it's lit. Um, it's not, you know, I talk a, a lot about comic art and panels and, and framing and compare it to movies a lot when I'm talking about composition or the flow or even the editing and how that kind of like, you know, how, how the, the layout of panels almost mimics the editing of something. Very rarely do I talk about uh, lighting at least in the way where I'm talking about it, like, as if there's multiple light sources in one panel. I very rarely talk about comic art that way, so I'm impressed that I'm make- making this point in the way that I am. Uh, but it really stuck yeah. out to me. Um, yeah, no, it's a good horror vibe of a story. Uh, you know, bringing up Amadeus Arkham also going crazy as well. The idea that, you know, there's no good that can come from that name. Uh, all of that is just, you know, building some spooky times. And it does kind of... And a lot of the backups in this book especially have been used to build things that are going to be used either if not their own series but certainly as something later so i think arkham tower is definitely going to be a big feature possibly in that 10 part uh story that they're about to do in this yeah uh if not something else but i don't think arkham tower is going to be just we get to the end of this backup series and it's done like i feel like that that arkham tower has been set up here for its inclusion in something else uh and we're going to have a fun horror shining style thing going on uh mm-hmm. in the meantime for funds so uh, no yeah. i had a good time with this uh what are you rating the backup uh i'm gonna do the backup an eight uh i would concur with that i think it was a really good little horror story and uh i think i've enjoyed a lot of the backups in this book i think this is one that's notable and that i really enjoyed this on its own and its own merits uh, not as like mm-hmm. a, a build to something just as a good horror story on its own i was kind of into mm-hmm. it so, uh, neat, 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 neat. All right. DC versus Vampires issue one, James Tyne in the fourth, and Matthew Rosenberg writing with Otto Schmidt on art. So, keeping the, the Halloween horror vibes going here. Uh, yeah. well, welcome back to DC, Otto. Yes, welcome been, back. Been sorely missed. Yeah, uh, so this story revolves around I Vampire, who comes in Andrew Bennett looking like a like a character of like a post-apocalyptic western with his yep. hat shades coat and like wrapped up in bandages because he's out in the sunlight so he's keeping himself covered up and he's mm-hmm. going towards the hall of justice and this issue is him telling hal jordan what he's discovered and what's happened to him uh, and the threat that the vampires have on the dc universe uh basically he it was what was it his arch nemesis, his ex lover, <laughs> his, his uh, ex girlfriend. Who's yes. the Did you ever read *I Vampire*? No. Okay, so it was it was pretty good. One of my friends loaned me the first trade. I always wanted to finish it. It only made it like a little bit past that first trade, um, but it was really interesting because it it you know kind of like we see with Swamp Thing right now, it's very much part of the DC universe, but taking place in in a corner. But it had a really well built in mythology with Andrew Bennett and his ex, who was like this queen of the vampires. But um, and from what I remember, it was, it was very enjoyable. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure um, the, this week in, in uh, the new 52, we'll, we'll cover it pretty soon. This is uh, I think it was a, a launch title on the new 52. I'm not too sure, but uh, um, I love how you don't know the title of that show. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm sorry. But uh, but give, give me the title, Pete. Not so new. Fifty two is the title Not of that so show. Not so new. Fifty two. There that's, you go. That's, 
that's much that's much better than what I said. So, yes. um, but I, I like what it builds on here that basically she's been keeping a war brewing. Like he doesn't like her because they stand at opposite poles, but she's the the one being that has kept the vampires from overrunning the the rest of the DCU. Yeah. So um, so the premise of this is that she's died. And as a result, yep. the vampires have ran wild and they've killed the Legion of Doom. Some of them are dead, some of them have been turned into vampires, but uh, Bennett finds them, uh, he gets into altercation, he sees plans for basically them taking over the world, and he finds a living Lex Luthor who's lost an arm and he's, he's on his last legs, he's dying, and he wants him to deliver a message to the Justice League, and he gives him a vial of his own blood. <laughs> Uh, and basically says, let them know that I'm the one who saved the world. <laughs> like, I'm me giving it, you this is saving the world, because I'm Lex freaking Luthor, damn it. It's so Lex Luthor, right? It's, it's very Lex Luthor, it's delightful. But then yeah. we get Vampire, Scarecrow, and Grodd, and uh, Vampire Riddler. Although Vampire Riddler does not last long, because what we find out here is that yeah. Lex's blood is lethal to vampires. So I'm sure he does a yeah. reason for that. I'm sure he concocted something that's in his system. Whatever it may yeah, be. Yeah, so... Part of handing over his blood to Bennett was that he has to kill him because they won't turn him, right? Uh, and you, we don't know why exactly. And, and Andrew Bennett goes to, to release his fangs. He goes, no, like that, you have to use your hands. So right there, it's kind of built in like, oh, okay, there, there's something up with the blood. And then as we see Andrew Bennett stab uh, Vampire Riddler in the eye, and him just drop. You're like, oh, okay. So yeah, definitely Lex did something to himself to keep him from being able to be turned. Yeah. Um, so we get this kind of montage of Bennett kind of wandering, trying not to be followed, going out in the daytime. Mm -hmm. And he comes to the Hall of Justice. Uh, but the yeah. twist here is that Hal Jordan's already a vampire. And he... Yeah. One of the Wonder Twins, he sort of grabs him and kills him yeah. by yeah. by making a Green Lantern construct blender and blending him, blending Zan down into a drink and drinks him uh, and kills Andrew Bennett. He says it's a little watery, so, which if you know about Zan's power, he takes the form of water. Yes. So uh, that was good line. Uh, Rosenberger Tynan, whoever wrote that line. Perfect. So, uh, so you know, yeah. it's, it's setting up that there's already people who have been turned, the vampires have taken over, uh, but notably during all of this, he never actually brings up or gives Hal the vial of blood. He never gives him that. Uh, and it kind of sets up that that maybe went somewhere else. And the final scene of the issue is that this vial of blood and a letter uh, was dropped off for Batman, which actually makes way more sense that this is kind of what the first port of call was, is that Batman's the one who might be able to sort of mobilize and do something right. with this information. So so what got me is when it, Bennett first shows up there, right, he's kind of bursting into flames uh, in the sunlight, and Hal comes in and, and brings him in with Zan, and he mentions that the Justice League's off-world, and then there's a slip where, where Zan had said, like, oh, no, they're here. And that's the first tell that, that Hal's being a little yeah, there's also There's also a tease. During the, the montage of mm -hmm. Bennett being sort of on the run, um, you see Green Arrow kind of standing in the background as if he's one of the people hunting him. And there's also yeah. a line earlier in the issue where one of the villains almost says green something, but you don't get to see what he's going to say. So it's almost setting you up yeah. thinking that Green Arrow's a vampire, 
but what he was actually going to say is Green Lantern. Uh, and here, sure enough, right. uh, Hal's the, the, the one who's already been turned into a vampire here. So yep. uh, it's delightfully vicious the way he just like burns a vampire uh, and then the way yeah. he you know blends and like all of it's just delightfully viciously sinister yeah. and he's got you know and like a lot of vampire stuff unlike a zombie which obviously we've seen in deceased and other mm-hmm. things vampires right. get to have a personality they get to have attitude and hal has yep. that the entire time as he's just gleefully murdering everyone uh, and, then, and then of course Aquaman shows up and he just starts to play cool he's like oh no i was just uh, you know doing things nothing nothing serious <laughs> Is it really dusty in here? Uh, after uh, after Hal's just burned a vampire, uh, that's a, another fun line. Um, but but yeah, um, no, it's uh, seeing. So we don't get to see full Green Arrow, but just knowing that we're going to get to see Schmidt's Green Arrow again, I'm very excited. Uh, uh, it's all on the art. Honestly, the cover kind of gives away that he's probably not a vampire, at least to yeah. start with, because. Uh, and it's all just a red herring for the fact that um, they were setting up Green Lantern to be the one who's already a villain. Right. But right, uh, yeah, I, I mean it's funny because obviously this is out of continuity, but you kind of get the feeling that it's set in recent continuity. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Alfred's alive, so that's a big thing. But right. uh, other than that, the fact that the Wonder Twins are in the Hall of Justice still feels like oh, that's recent kind of right, you know, vibes. Like you know, it feels like it feels like it's set. Obviously not in continuity, but it's sort of branching out from a specific oh, part of continuity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. So, but yeah, no, and the art, I mean, it, it's bathed in red for, for the Legion of Doom sequences. Yeah, which all, I think all works of, out really yeah, well. All of Bennett's like, story as he tells them what's going on is all bathed in this red watercolor kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, looks looks really, really nice. Uh, and, and it adds to that whole vampire aspect. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough other good things. I mean, the Hal Jordan twist was, I thought, really nice. But when you think about it, it's kind of, I don't know, it's not really telegraphed, but there are well, breadcrumbs the, there. The second he you says, know? if you told anyone else about this, I'm like, oh, he's, right. about, to, he's about to be villain. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and that's right before he, you know, shows his fangs, right? Like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so just him being the, the first, just as far as we know, you know, vampire in the Justice League. You know, we'll see how that works. And how how are vampires in the DCU? Like, can they affect Wonder Woman and Superman? Right? Because are they magical yeah. beings? Are they biological? I don't remember from I Vampire, but it seems like whatever Lex did to his blood cues me in like maybe it's a little bit more biological. I, I, I feel like this will come up. Like you know, they're going to address yeah. this. There's no way they're not. Uh I also like Oh the... yeah, no, I know that. I'm just you know, after this first issue, these are the questions that I had. Where how's it going forward? Because on that plan to take over the world, they have Superman listed, they have Shazam, but are those people that are threats to to them? You know, or are these people they want to turn? Um, I don't know. Let me go back to that page that they have: Superman, Constantine, Wonder Woman, Swamp Thing, Shazam, Zatanna, someone called Majestic, Vandal Savage. Ra's al Ghul and Joker on the bottom. And they're also talking about what looks like making a satellite um, into a shield to to plunge the world into forever darkness. 
Yeah, which, which actually probably one of my favorite little details about this is that Green Lantern can go out in daylight because his ring can protect him from the yeah. sunlight. I thought that was a nice little touch. Because right, the- and that's how he burns Bennett alive, right? Where he says that they're, you know, the fact that his his ring is a form of light, it allows him to have um, the ability of all forms of light. So the UV light that he can filter out, he can also create, and that's how he burns Bennett to death in the. Um, Hall of Justice. Yeah, then it's so, it's also kind of your. It's all. It also adds to the the, the red herring because you see Hal out in the sun. Not, yeah. not that you're suspecting him to right. start with because you wouldn't have any reason to. But no. if you do, if the thought does occur to you, what if he's already a vampire? You may discount it by going, oh, but he was out in the sunlight. So right. Uh, and I, how? I, I can't catch a break in these. Admittedly. I do think that part of this is because they knew they had to answer this issue, because if they didn't actually explain how he was out in the daylight, mm-hmm. we'd all be sitting going, well, he was out in daylight. Yeah. You know? we'd, we'd all be asking the question. We'd all, we'd all probably assume it was the ring that protected him, but they kind of yeah. had to do it in this issue. Uh, so yeah. um, it felt like a necessity, but at least they had fun with it by immediately using it to kill uh, ben afterwards because i i think that's what made it feel okay had it just been the explanation and nothing else it would have felt a bit clunky i think because it'd be like, oh we yeah. had to explain this because otherwise everyone's going to yeah, ask no, and, and i like it because it makes him seem that much more vicious too you know like the fact that he he seems to be enjoying it um as he's doing it but i say how can i catch a break between this and deceased man he he, he was zombified and and now he's vamp vampified so I guess he's just fun to to mess with. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a fun time. Uh, I'm enjoying the characterization. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie though. I'm kind of glad that Bennett uh, was killed off in this first issue. I was a little bit worried early on that he was going to be the main character because he's a vampire. Uh, and I and I I, I know what people like I vampire. I never read it, but I really didn't have any interest in reading that twelve issue story with Bennett at the center of it. I'm... No, I don't mind. He he's he's a member of that Justice League Dark too. Um, back during the New Fifty Two, he, he's a good character. I mean, he's he's basically Angel at this point. At that point, you know. Okay. So, but yeah, I'm cool with him being dead, so we can focus on more interesting characters. <laughs> so, right. uh, uh, a fun time. Arch really good. Schmidt, let me say, uh, the the bathed in red gives it this apocalyptic feel, uh, for mm-hmm. a, a large portion of the issue. Uh, but mostly it feels like they're just having fun with a wacky concept, and the same way that deceased kind of did as well. Uh, now, mm-hmm. where this so th- this gets to have more fun than deceased potentially because it's, it's the the vampires have attitude. What will be a true test is if it can hit the emotional beats that deceased also did. Because so far I wouldn't say this is, and it's not uh, as a fault because there's nothing in this issue that should should have been trying to hit an emotional beat. But I'll be very curious yeah. to see going forward into future issues if it can hit those things like oh you know because everything in deceased was like certain characters dying so then we had their sons or they we had their loved ones like mm-hmm. try to continue the legacy or stuff you know there was a lot of good uh, or just reactions to like other characters dying and things like that it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see how this deals with that uh going forward uh so yeah i'm, I'm curious but uh all right what are you giving dc versus vampires issue one uh this is a nine i really enjoyed it well i'm just gonna go with a straight eight uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to issue two. Uh, very easy read as well, uh, might I add. Mm-hmm. So, cool stuff. Check me, issue five. Brian Michael Bendis with Oof. Alex Maleev. Take it away, Matt. Uh, I enjoy the art. I say that every time. Um, this is the penultimate issue 
and it, it ends up with uh, the checkmate taking out um, the forces of Leviathan that when their headquarters got got teleported. Um, so a lot of it, the, a lot of the first couple pages are a fight scene. Um, and the headquarters, their, their secret church, gets crumbled. Um, and, you know, Robin starts questioning Mr. King. He says, do you do anything? He says, I run checkmate. He's like, yeah, but do you anything? And he tells him, well, boy, I wonder how you keep us in the game, so watch this. And then the, he ends up teleporting them to the basement of the Hall of Justice into the um, where the Justice League Dark's kind of headquarters is. So it's not really clear, like, what exactly this King guy does. It's still just kind of all in these shadows. But these these portals start to become more of a plot device than anything. Um, and then we get more of Lois and her secret brother, which I'm still not a fan of. Uh, she realizes that he is the the snowman's ticket, so whatever that's still supposed to, to mean. Um, uh, and Mark Shaw is putting one of his Leviathan agents in undercover to be a Hall of Justice intern. And it's her job to, to come in and, I guess, figure out the portals. But Checkmate, I don't know if they realize this, but they put Damien in that same group with the interns. Um, so as, as they're going through, um, Checkmate's down, keeping an eye on them uh, to try to, you know, because they don't realize that, Leviathan doesn't realize that they're down in the Hall of Justice right now because they think that they, you know, got taken care of when they got teleported initially and their headquarters fell apart. Um, and King points out that if Mark Shaw sees them in this building, he'll instantly know and he won't make his move because now that they got him, that he's comfortable. Um, <laughs> fun, fun moment where Damien says that his name is Timothy Todd, which is a fun, you know, just smashing together. It's the quickest thing he could come up with. Um, and then the lights go out in the Hall of Justice. And it's kind of hinted that Talia is a sleeper agent. And uh, Green Arrow draws his, his bow on her. Uh, and it looks like she fires. Uh, and then we go back to Lois and her brother. And... Mark Shaw shows up and says that he wants to take care of this himself. I still don't know what the point of this book is because it all just feels like it's it's not much of anything. The art's fantastic. I mean, it's it's moody. All the characters look great. I mean, the way that the, the panels are structured are great, but like, I, I still don't know. Like, the fact that we have this this Leo Lane popping up in Justice League with whatever's going on here, you know, yet he's being introduced here. It's kind of messy. So, like, good, good on DC for putting it out there. But I don't know eventually what, what's going on here. It just it feels like a lost series at this point. So um, this one's a little bit more enjoyable just because we, we get the pieces in place. I still don't know what Shaw wants to do besides trying to eat the Batcave and the Hall of Justice and the Justice League satellite, like those are all his sources of information that he wants to get. But like, 
ultimately his end game of revealing all secrets. I don't know what that means for DC going forward if it, if it even means anything. So, I mean, it kind of just feels like a chore to read with really good art. So, I'm going to give it a 5.5. Oof. That's damning yeah. coming from you. Yeah. Along with the quote, it feels like a lost series at this point. Uh, serious? Yeah. A lost series at this point. Uh, yeah. Put that on the poster. Yeah. Oh, they can't put it on posters, the trade, please. But, uh, yes, the trade. Yeah. Yes. Um... Okay. <laughs> they try to spin it, they mean it like, oh no, he means it like the TV show. Lots of twists and turns. <laughs> no, no, there's that phase. I don't remember the movie, but it was the, that movie where Tom Hardy played twins, where they, yeah. they snuck a two star review onto the poster and no one noticed because of the way they laid it out. Uh, That's great. What was that movie called? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. I was really stoked for it, and then one of my friends watched it and I was like, it's not good. Um, uh, even though he's pretty decent in it, but I feel like that's everything. My neighbor asked me if I had seen Venom yet, and I was like, no, bud. I'm going to watch that at home when it's free. <laughs> Come on. I'm probably uh, not even going to do that, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, have, have you not seen the first one? I saw the first one eventually. Okay. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy's in a completely different movie than what the director's directing. It wasn't even good, know, bad, like Connor and others have, yeah. have said it as. It's just bad and mostly just mediocre and it's, shit. Again, it was it was fine me renting it from Redbox and watching it on my couch while I was doing laundry. Which isn't always the key to, to a good movie watching experience, but it worked. Um, So, yeah. I uh, So that's what I feel like with, with Checkmate putting that on the... There. Leg, that movie's called Legend, by the way. I just remembered. No looking up. I... It's about the, the crime twins in London. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Robin, issue seven, Joshua Elmson writing with Gleb Melnikov on the art. And we have to talk about a new Al Ghul <laughs> in this issue. We have great yeah. grandmother. Uh, was it Ruagul? Ru- yeah. R U H, however we're pronouncing this, because I know Ra. it goes back that it. Raul Ghul. Ghul. Raz al Ghul is this Ru-Ra. I'm calling her 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 mother soul still, just because that's basically... We'll call her great-grandmother soul here, because that's who she turns out to be. And man, I, mean, I love everything Williamson's doing right now between this. We'll talk about Deathstroke in a few, but he's just having fun. And I feel like this is what would happen if you gave someone like me permission to tell whatever story I wanted in the DC universe, you end up with something like Robin or Deathstroke Inc. Um, and it's just, it's very checking my specific boxes here. Um, so yeah, the, the revelation that she's his great grandmother, but like, does Roz know she exists? You know, because she, you know, he wasn't always Roz al Ghul, right? Like that's part of the legend. That's something that he became. Uh, but apparently this runs through their family. And, yeah. Yeah, so the issue starts with uh, Respawn, whose identity is heavily teased in this issue. Uh, you know, you've got um, a moment where his mask is almost taken off, but he's like, no, 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 it's not time yet, it's not time yet. And I'm like, oh, who is this? Like, who, who are we going to recognize as this Respawn character? I, don't uh, know. I also uh, love that Damien's like, get a domino mask then, dummy. <laughs> as if that's going to prevent us from knowing his identity, but 
It's one of those comic book things that I love, that a simple domino mask can keep your identity uh, secret. But, yeah, I just love that part. Yeah, we see a little bit of what looks like white hair uh, on whoever mm-hmm. this is, but uh, certainly no one came to mind. Uh, although Ravager really wants to know who Respawn is. That's what her main goal yeah, seems to be. I, I'm, I'm feeling it's tied to Deathstroke somehow, just based off of the look, right? Um, but I don't know. Because none of, none of those kids, you have, you have Grant, and then you have um, whatever Jericho's name was. I, I forget his name. And then Rose. But I'm not aware of any other Wilson kids. I don't think it's one of his kids. So, I, don't, I don't think that's what it no? is. Uh, mm. If anything, I, was, I mean, this wouldn't be that exciting, but I suspect it might be someone who, uh, not Tim, sorry, uh, Damien's been with in, like one of his Teen Titans rosters or something. Uh, or something. I don't know. Mm. But uh, they have a fight. He kicks him off the edge of a cliff. Uh, yeah. Fun stuff in the art. And this is where uh, Mother Soul comes to talk to him about stealing the book. Uh, and Damien reveals that he read enough to realize who it is. You're Ru'al Ghul, soul of the demon. So not head of the demon, soul of the demon. Which, which goes in with the mother soul, right? Like, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and basically, Damien explains that, at least to some extent, that this island is getting stronger because of all the deaths. So all these deaths are effectively mm-hmm. sacrifices that are making the island grow more powerful. Uh, and mm-hmm. it looks like you know the the, the greenery is getting stronger. It's, it's becoming more lush and lavish as as the deaths pile up, um, and you know we see like a, a like a montage of all the others getting killed around the island. And Damien's like, oh, I have to stop this tournament. I have to stop it right now. And we get effectively the semi-finals uh, when Damien gets mm-hmm. back. Uh, Ravager's like, nope, I'm going to fight uh, Connor Hawk. And yeah. Flatline's like, nope, we're definitely fighting Damien. And Damien's trying yeah. to talk her out of it. He does his best to try and speak her down he's like just let me win and she's like no that's not what i came here for i came here to no death and she goes to do the heart grab and i was like oh no he's not falling for this again not at all uh and you get those nope. close-up panels where it's like he he knows yeah. what she's about to do uh yeah. and blocks it you know snaps her wrist kind of spins her around uh and mm-hmm. then kicks her so hard into the wall that she actually does seemingly die you get the heart rate monitor kind of panels as she's she's mm-hmm. going i actually really like the, the the art touch here of like when she's lying there dead and damien just sort of kneeled down next to her uh of just a plain white around them like no panel no box no nothing yeah. uh it's just this infinite white void uh really nice touch and then the, the ghostly hand of alfred on his shoulder and this is not her third death she's not gone for good but no uh, if I, I actually really like that someone's heckling uh raptors like hey raptor why don't you get back in the tournament and he's like yeah. i've already died twice because <laughs> obviously the third death not... is like you're dead for good uh in the right. rules so uh but yeah um so yeah mother socials up gloats a little bit uh and damien like reiterates that he's going to to stop her he's going to stop this tournament uh, but she's like, hey, you're in the finals, they're the last two, and he's like, wait, Ravager? And no, uh, Ravager's lying there dead. It's Connor Hawk versus Damien, they run towards each other. Uh, cliffhanger. See you next time for the finals. Uh, I, mean, I love that the the two secret sons of Oliver Queen and Bruce Wayne are the finals of this tournament. Like, it's just great. I, I think this issue was 
one of the best that the book has had, uh, purely just in terms of everything felt really... We had a great action scene at the start, uh, then we had a great, like, you know, the the bombshell of who Mother Soul really is, adding to the, the Ra's al Ghul lore, uh, and then we get all the fighting that takes place, and Damien having more of a, like a, more of a defined purpose now. Now, now he believes that he has to stop something, so it's more like a, a hero's journey where he actually does have, like, a heroic goal in mind now. It's not just, like, some sort of vague, I'm learning who I am, or I'm Mm-hmm. Wanting to find out what's going on. Now he has, like, there's, no, there's a villainous thing happening here. He wants to stop it. He might fail, but when he does fail, he's going to presumably have a little team of allies now that he's maybe going to sort of, you know, convince like, to join like, his effort uh, from, from the yeah, other competitors. So like, we try to read that Teen Titans book where that put him with, you know, like, Wallace and Crush from, from you know, Lobo's daughter, and it always felt kind of hollow, at least to me. Um... Here, it just felt like they kind of built a team around him, and it just feels organic. Like, these characters, like Ravager and Connor Hawk and Flatline, they all just feel like they mesh better with Damien. And if that's, like, the best thing that comes out of this book, like, great. Like, you know, I'm still enjoying it. I've always kind of loved Damien Wayne, just because he's such a little shit. So the fact here that he's getting to grow properly... um, I am um, a big fan of. Yeah, no, I felt it. Uh, and the characters... Because at this point, you know, when this book started, we didn't really know who Respawn... I mean, we might know who it is when he takes the mask off, but we didn't know who Flatline was. Uh, but uh, she's already got enough character that I kind of like... You know, I had fun seeing her again when she popped back mm-hmm. up in this issue. Uh, Ravager we already liked, obviously. But all of these characters like there's a nice little cast now that I, i'm kind of invested in the entire group and not just damien which is mm-hmm. probably as good as a compliment as i can give a book like this uh so very neat uh i and i think that the, the death of flatline towards the end of the issue is handled very well uh the, yeah. emo- the emotional realization of damien and not liking what he's doing um and that being kind of this motivator to stop her, that all this killing is wrong, and he's going to stand up for it and say, no, we're not doing this. Uh, it, it makes you want to root for him, for as much of a little shitty as he is. Like, he's, he's, his heart is in this right place now, for if nothing else. And sometimes, rooting for a character who seemed like more of an antagonist to begin with, when they reach this kind of moment, is some of the most satisfying, uh, like, like, rooting that one can do in a story i don't know there's something immensely yep. satisfying about it uh i guess it's because it's someone who has actually turned over a new leaf to some extent and you you really want to root for the the the, su- the success of of that through line um mm-hmm. so yeah and the, the art stuff's still great melnikov's been killing it uh, all yeah. the action scenes flow really yeah. well a lot of good motion a lot of good like uh, a lot of the swooping as flatline and damien are sort of countering moves and He's, like, countering the thing that killed him the last time. All of that is told yeah. very well in the art. Yeah. You can well, see him, it's, it's, um... You can see him thinking, Malikov. right, you know, right before he, like, counters something, you can see him thinking about it. You can see him realizing that he has to. So, virtually well. Yeah. Well, I want to say, too, it's, it's, uh, Melnikov and Max Dunbar. I can't tell if, if Dunbar is just the colorist or if he took over pages but it's it's seamless. I, I couldn't tell if there's a difference in the art. Um. But yeah. Yeah. Uh. No, really good stuff. Uh, Robin's been a nice little, uh, nice little series so far. Uh, mm-hmm. what are you uh giving Robin? 
I'm, I'm giving this one a nine. I really enjoyed this issue. Jesus Christ, Matt, with the scores I, this week. I, I hinted on on Twitter last night. I'm I'm gonna be a little bit extra because th- this was a fun week for reading comics, and now we're hitting the stride. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really enjoyable week. Uh, I, I'm just a bit more reserved <laughs> apparently than you are. Of course, uh, I, I don't expect. Just wait. Wait yeah, till I talk no, about Deathstroke Inc. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I haven't no. even reached my final form. Another solid date for me on, on this one. Uh, really enjoying the progression of Damien and the supporting cast around him. So, good stuff. Wonder Woman issue... Sorry, let me correct that. Wonder Girl issue four. Joel Jones. I was like, did I miss another book? <laughs> <laughs> no, Wonder Girl uh, issue four. So, we're back to Yara and... You know, I, I think I want to get something negative out of the way first. I do think the long gaps between issues are hurting my engagement in this because i'm struggling to remember (laughs) at times where we were in the last part of the story and yeah so my i'll get my negative out too the story in this is a bit of a mess the art fantastic Hmm. this issue feels a little bit like filler and i don't like that well the funny thing is that i i kind of liked it when i realized okay this is her training this is her becoming like a Wonder Woman type fighter and like learning the lessons and her trying to like bond with the the Pegasus and it only happening when she was vulnerable and that's when the Pegasus comes up and like you know engages with her in the rain that stuff I I, you know I liked well enough I do think Mm -hmm. some of the pages where it's the gold art where it's effectively a montage I think those pages do genuinely feel like filler to me where nothing's really happening just a couple of general you know narration boxes but for the most part, it's there's not really anything worthwhile other than just the passage of time as she's getting yeah. better as a fighter, and it tells us it tells us outright that the passage of time in Olympus or wherever she is right now is different. Is different. So it's not like time is passing on Earth, which is a bit of a cop out, just so that we can have her go through all this without it affecting yeah. the timeline on Earth. So sure, whatever. right? And that, that's where I talk about it being a little bit messy, where it doesn't feel like it's informing the story very much. You know, like. I get like that she was this girl that, that was heading down to Brazil to get in touch with her roots, you know, and now she goes to be Olympus's champion for Hera and she's doing all this. But like, yeah, the gold arts just doing so much of it. And not that I need to see her train all the time, but it's just it's almost just like an afterthought. It's like well, Jones is just like, well, I'm going to throw it into this montage. But then it's just like, well, there's some real cool stuff in here that's just getting skimmed over well, to, I, I, I think that's what, in this montage. That's what makes the, the Pegasus stuff work, is there's a little start and end mm-hmm. to it where she's struggling to gain the respect of the Pegasus and right. how she able to, how, how she ultimately gets it is a little bit of a story, it's a little bit of a turn and mm-hmm. that's what makes it work and that's what makes it feel like there's yeah. a progression. Uh, a lot of the other stuff is just like, here's some generic montage stuff of her training mm-hmm. to give you a vibe that's happening. Honestly, my bigger issue with this story... It's probably the exposition? The, the exposition dump afterwards where yeah. uh, the the Brazilian Amazon, uh, if that's even the right term, uh, yeah, when she yeah. shows up and sort of explains the story of how her how Yara's mother didn't go to Themyscira and she didn't go to Egypt, she kind of st- stayed separate from the other Amazon tribes right. and she just did her own thing and it resulted in this, this birth of a child and it resulted in yeah. this. Yeah, she she met one of the Brazilian river gods, I guess, you know, and and that's where Yara comes from, and uh, she yeah she built her own tribe of Amazons in the Amazon, um, 
And it's like, that's cool. I like, I like seeing the split. It's just, you're right. It's a dump. Like they're just saying, Hey, it's, it's a dump. And then the other problem I had with this is that after we get the exhibition dump, the Artemis and uh, Cassie show up. Right. And Cassie gives us some advice and sort of says, Hey, like, you know, Harry's trying to turn you into something, make sure that's what you actually want. And consider, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, think about it before you're just going to accept it. Because she's effectively been given this choice where she's going to drink this elixir and it'll make her an Amazon uh, or park god or something, but she can never go back to being immortal after this, right? And the, the cliffhanger at the end of the issue is her going to take the sip, but she's not quite done it yet, so we don't know if for, she might yeah. like swear us at the start of the next issue. Well, but, it, but it looks like, but to finish my point, but it looks like she's going to do it. When Cassie and Artemis show up and give her this advice, they just leave. Like, Artemis rambles and just says, oh, this is the girl who everyone's talking about or try to find. And Cassie gives her this a bit of advice, but they just leave. And I immediately went, wait, why would they try to find her again? Because it feels like it was more than just to give her, like, a quick bit of advice and leave. (laughs) It felt more more pointed than that. It felt like there was, like, a, a mission to accomplish. And they just leave her after speaking to her for a minute. It felt weird to me. Yeah, well, and also, she got to go back down to Earth after her training because she had asked, like, I, I need to think about this, right? So she goes to Eros and... Well, that's where she is. That's, a, that's where she is when she gets yeah. the expedition dub. It's where she is when Cassie and Artemis show right. up to talk to her. And she's down there talking to Zhao. And, you know, and I like this part, too, where she talks about, like, like I, I feel like there's something that I could go do for the greater good, but I also don't want to miss out on my life. So, like, what do I do? And, you know, he finally... he he conks out or, you know, falls asleep. And that's where, where the other Amazon uh, shows up from Brazil uh, and stuff. And it just, this is where I talk about it being a mess because that dump happens. And then the stuff with where we've seen Cassie and Artemis tracking her down for what, what's the ultimate point? Were they trying to stop her from going off with arrows? I, I feel like, or I feel like, like I missed something. I feel like I was misremembering what their purpose was because it felt like they just walked away from her like very quickly and I'm like, yeah. wait, weren't it here for something and, more specific than this? And what's what's Hera's game for this? Like yeah, why I mean, does she want like yeah, whatever whatever Hera's trying to like convince her to do, uh ultimately, like you know, the the goal of turning her into her like warrior does feel like malicious. It does feel like she's been lured yeah. in and it's the wrong choice to us, the reader, which is fine. I'm okay with this being like the, the right. dangling, like bad choice that seems like a noble one to her from her perspective. But we're all going, no, 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 no. We're we're all rooting for her to make the choice to stay on Earth and and be a hero and save other people and whatever else. Uh, but it does feel a little bit poorly defined so far in this issue. And I remember feeling the last couple of issues feeling a little. It's, it's it's felt a bit muddier storytelling wise the more it's went on. I think issue to issue, and I think part of that may be the the delays and the the long gaps. Yeah. But I think part of it is also just in the story writing. And the, I think the sad part of this is that this is the second book now from Joel Jones where, you know, I've loved her art, and I yeah. I started her Catwoman book because it was her, and I felt the same thing. And Catwoman, where after a few issues, I just wasn't as into the story after an arc because it was getting muddier. Yeah. Uh, and I'm feeling sadly the same way, which is a shame because I love those future state issues and I love the start of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I think Gareth Floor as a character has a lot of uh, appeal. But yeah. when Joelle Jones seems to get into the actual meat of the story, it always seems to kind of start to just buckle under the weight of whatever she's trying to do. And I kind of felt it here again as well, where instead of being really excited by the 
pieces you're setting up. Because, you know, at its core, you think about it, she's been given this choice to accept this offer from Hera, but it'll mean giving up life on Earth, and it'll mean not being this hero of the people that, you know, she feels that she should be. And that should be like a, a th- you know, for, for, the, for the audience, for the reader, that should be a, like, oh, oh, I really hope she makes the right choice. It's a really simple yes or no. It should feel quite simple. But I feel like this, this story so far has not made it very clear what all the different like factions want from her. And they're trying to keep it mysterious right. as to what, what her existence means to everyone and why they all want to have an influence on her. Mm-hmm. And because that's not being defined, it's really hard to just get into the choice that she's making. And I don't know. Right. Like, I feel like there's just there's a more streamlined version of this that feels it, it should exist. Right. Like, like, it would have been nice for Artemis and Cassie to be like, hey... It's your decision to make, but just be wary of Hera because traditionally she's not a friend of the Amazons, you know, like, but th- there's nothing of there. There's nothing like that in there to like I- inform Yara of this decision. It's almost as if she's just like, oh, I haven't even really got to live in this world. That That's what her that's what it seems like she's talking to Zhao about. Is almost like this. Oh, I'm just starting to live. Why do do I go and and be the servant of Hera, or do I you know just stay down here to have fun? And it's almost kind of like a. Uh, I mean, it's very can, shallow. I mean, Cassie's advice to her, right? It's like you've got a lot of eyes on you, um, and whatever you decide is going to like you know affect a delicate balance. Um, mm-hmm. you know, don't. I know you're excited about the big adventure, but you know, don't forget. Don't, don't become blind to the dangers around you. It's still so vague, and I feel like at this point, we need to define some of this. We need to define what some of this yeah. danger is and what this choice really is. But we're not getting it yet. And if if, the, if it's yeah. meant to be for mystery reasons, like we're, what, is this is still meant to be mysterious, at a certain point, we just we need to understand enough of it so that there's some weight to this, the things being made and the choices being made. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very murky on this issue. Uh, obviously, the art is gorgeous, but like... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not, you know, what I'm here to complain about. <laughs> Even though the montages are a bit unfulfilling, they're still pretty to look at. Oh, the, the art know? itself is good. I mean, but yeah, ultimately it's like just like excess style over any substance uh, in those pages. Yeah, and that's why I wish Connor was on here because we could have a long discussion about uh, Chiron the Centaur, the trainer of heroes. You know, and it was fun to see him pop up. But... I'm sure he went through a box of Kleenex when he was reading those pages. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do ratings. Uh, yeah, so joy rate Wonder yeah, Girl. I'm gonna give this a seven. Yeah, I'm going with a six. Unfortunately, I'm I'm starting to get go. frustrated with the book. Uh, mm-hmm. I I need some better storytelling and more defined stakes. Uh, at this point, uh, the mystery so far is not working for me. And I, I think part of it is that there's two like having all these other factions of Amazons and like ca- even though I was excited to see Cassie at first, like having all these characters yeah. looking for her, I think is just adding too much onto it. If this was just like, can she trust Hera or not? And we as a reader suspect she can't because we know Hera. But like, if it was just focused on that and it was more of a personal story, that'd be fine. But it's it's murking things up a bit too much with too many things uh, and, t- and they're not defining enough. So uh, yeah, six out of ten. Uh, Art's very good though, so yeah, t- take it as you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Task Force Z, issue one, Matthew Rosenberg writing with Eddie Barrows on the art. So we have our zombie suicide squad, uh, read mm-hmm. by Red Hood. Don't call them zombies though. 
I just said red by red hood. Led by red hood is what I meant. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, zombies are not they don't like that word. They're trying to avoid that word. Yeah. Uh, so th- this gives us an example. Uh, there's a crazy quilt being chased by a man bat. Jason shows up. So we get some really nice art here. I thought like all the colors from Crazy Quilt really was a nice like bit of color nice. versus all the dark yeah. shadowy Gotham rooftop stuff that's yep. going on. Uh, but Bane shows up. Uh, Jason has to like calm Bane down with a, a Lazarus candy. <laughs> I just want to say this isn't my kind of book, right? Like I don't like zombies and mm-hmm. it's Jason Todd led, and I was a little bit hesitant on it. But I'll be damned if Rosenberg's not having, or it seems like he's having the time of his life writing this. Because it just seems like he has full, full, you know, uh, ability to do whatever he wants here. I mean, again, you just said he gave, Jason gives Bane a Lazarus candy to calm him down. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. (laughs) So it's basically to show just how dysfunctional this is and how, like, both Bane uh, and Man Bat almost kill <laughs> like Crazy Quilt when they're supposed crazy to bring quilt. him in alive. Uh, so, uh, but we get like you know Red Hood like arguing with uh, like the scientist lady who I think they imply there might be more than one of her. Maybe she's cloned or something. Because later on, when he brings up the conversation he had when he sees her again, she's like, "What are you talking about?" Uh-huh. Uh, which makes me yeah. think is it is a tr- uh, maybe they're just twins. I mean that's possible. It's just a, a normal solution. But uh, but he also meets this redhead who's like. Uh, is she like a psychiatrist or something? Like, I, I wasn't even sure what she was supposed to be, but uh, she's kind of like telling them off for using certain terminology and calling them monsters. And so they're not monsters. Like, you know, I. I they're your teammates. Yeah, anyone can be rehabilitated. <laughs> and Jason's being super cynical. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's when they go to uh, interrogate Crazy Quilt, where he says to the, the other woman who we saw before. Because, um, you know, the first time he sees her is when he's getting out of the shower. So he cracks a joke about. Yeah. Uh, him having clothes on and she's like am I supposed to know what the F you're talking about and I'm like are you the same person technically are you, are you like yeah. a are y'all robots are y'all clones or are you just like twins like what's something, going on yeah. I feel like something's there to be that going on so they send in Arkham Knight zombie Arkham Knight to be precise uh, yeah. to deal with Crazy Quilt uh, Crazy Quilt's shitting himself he's refusing to talk he says he knows nothing uh, but ultimately does give up some information uh, and Jason goes back out with the team of Man Bat, Bane, Bloom, and Arkham Knight, uh, all, all zombie form. Although Bloom points out that he's not technically dead. He's actually slightly different from the other ones. Uh, yeah, which, again, I was like, I never thought we'd see Mr. Bloom again. You know, um, I, I was not fond of that arc in Batman, so I inherently yeah. had kind of a dislike of Bloom just because he was associated with it. I have to admit, though, his insistence of correcting people that he's not dead was cracking me up yeah. a little bit in this issue. I was chuckling yeah. a little bit. Every, every time someone mentioned that they were all dead, and he's like, I'm not dead. Just uh, want to point out that I'm, I'm not Just dead. Just point out. And then also, when, when you know things start going sideways, uh, Jason's yelling for his help towards the end, and he goes like, ah, I can't help. I have this, uh, this um, collar that, that's uh, dampening my powers. You're gonna have to remove it, and it's kind of like, oh man, is this his game? Because I don't remember <laughs> what Bloom's powers were exactly. So, um, I'm sure we'll be reminded in the next issue. Yeah, he bloomed things. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah. so this information with the tracking down whatever you know Quilt's involved in, it turns out to be Mister Freeze and a bunch of cronies. 
And they're actually st dealing in stolen Lazarus uh, liquid. Or uh, oh, resin is the exact word to use. Uh, so it's like the fact that they're dealing with Lazarus stuff when yeah. the Lazarus is what's been used to keep all these zombies alive is yeah. obviously very interesting and could be a big, big plot point. So, mm -hmm. but um, no, we get a lot so, of big art is uh, Task Force Z. Yeah. Fight Mr. Freeze and all of his cronies. I thought some of the layouts here were really cool uh, as Freeze is blasting various members with his ice gun. Uh, just, just some fun stuff. I like that there's like a sort of Lazarus like shoulder dispenser on Manbat's shoulder that's obviously given him more Lazarus yeah. just uh, yeah. as as he needs it. I thought that was an interesting little touch in the art. Uh, but no, I, I like all this uh, stuff uh, here. Actually, one of the things I want to mention, I think it's this book. I think I glossed over it now that we're later on in the issue. Uh, yeah. But when Jason's getting out of the shower, there's a moment in the, the art where they, they just they put in some arrows. It's when he's talking to the scientist lady when he's getting out of the shower uh, for the layout. They put in some arrows to show you which way to read the page. And yeah. obviously in an ideal world, good comic art shouldn't have to tell you. It should be very natural. But I actually want to compliment it and just appreciate the fact that they did this page and then they looked at it and went, you know what? I let's admit this isn't, isn't obvious mm -hmm. which way you're supposed to read this uh, to a certain point. So let's just put in the arrows, right? So yeah. it's a bit of a crutch, but it, you know what? I appreciate that they recognize that it may need it and they just put it in. They swallowed the pride and they just put in some arrows to help you read it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought that was worth pointing out. Uh, what, what did you think of all the big fighting towards the uh, the end? No, I mean, it, it's fine. I just want to know, like, so the reading Future State, I had read the one issue of the Tim Drake Future State book mm -hmm. where he was brought back with Lazarus Resin. So this goes back to that, um, which, which I do like. I just want to know how exactly it works, because are we putting these characters back together? Because uh, Freeze, uh, Freeze's Man Bat cracks his head off and throws it at a, throws it at a frozen bane. Yeah, so he's got like a, he's got a frozen man bat head in his hand. Yeah, yeah. So like, is is can it bring them back or what are what, I I'm not sure. I, I mean, we don't know yet, but I suspect we're going to get yeah. man bat's head stitched back on <laughs> next issue. Yeah, so like, <laughs> there's just stuff like that, but um, no, I mean it's it's good. I like Eddie Barrows. I've been a fan of of his art for a while. I like he his. The, I like his freeze. His freeze looks good. Yeah, he did the um, Freedom Fighters mini um, that I read uh, by Venditti. Big fan of that. His art fits this well because he's dealing with you know, Bane and Manbat are very monstrous here, and you know everything's kind of over exaggerated in the best ways. Bloom is very creepy with his proportions. Mm -hmm. Um. So and it makes Jason stand out that much more because he's kind of like the regular dude on the team of monsters, which I like that that's his, his viewpoint here. So, you know, the art's really working with, with the storytelling. Um, yeah. and he is, Bears is great at layouts, I think too. So yeah, all, all the um, stuff, uh, once the ice fight starts, which is what I'm calling it, yeah. like all the layouts as like they're dodging, yeah. as Jason's dodging, like the ice blast. And then like, mm -hmm. those other characters getting trapped in ice or snow, yeah. all that stuff looks great. Nice mm -hmm. fluid motion to it all. And then the, the cliffhanger at the end of the issue is that Freezy's, like, like I don't know, his ice proton pack, whatever you want to call it. Uh, his containment yeah, unit. It, it blows up, and Jason gets trapped in some ice, and he's lying there, and zombie Arkham Knight is crawling towards him like he's going to eat him. 
So it's like, oh shit, I'm in an actual like, zombie movie moment, and that's kind of the. the yeah. it's, it's like a joke cliffhanger almost, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think if you read this issue, you're going to have a, a good idea if you want to stick around for the rest of it. <laughs> um, if you're into yeah. the. I, the fun I, that it's so having. I got caught up on the. Detective, I went back to my detective comic issues and read, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that was necessary to read. You know, that was almost just kind of like a. I mean, it depends if they explain why Jason's involved with them at all, but... Uh, right. I, I think it's... But from, from that story with Deb Donovan, though, it was he was searching stuff independently on his own, and then she rented him, and they ended up deciding to work together, if I yes. remember right. That's right. Um. So, yeah, so here it seems like they made a trade, and that he's working for the organization because it had gotten into some trouble, which doesn't line up. Either way, I'm sure we'll get the thing, but... I went into this a little bit hesitant, going like, I don't know. I ended up really enjoying this issue. So, you know, it's a whole lot of fun. Um, I don't, is this a mini or is this an ongoing? Uh, I think this is technically an ongoing, if I remember right. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see how long they can keep this going. If they're going to restock it every, every couple arcs with, with new undead I, villains, if you know, I don't suspect it'll last that long, but I mean, you're yeah. going to get 12 issues. 18 issues yeah. out of it by the time it's done. So <laughs> see how it goes. Um, and and I was I was talking to a friend about this in, in another form, but about like Jason Todd's been effectively rehabbed, at least in my eyes, over the course of the last year, year and a half. And it's like, hey, if you give good creators time to to work on characters, there's no real, you know, we say it all the time. No such thing as a bad character. Matt, I feel like you've said this about Jason Todd every time he's came up in the last like six I know. months. And I can't now. I can't justify going, oh, it's a Jason Todd book. I don't want to read it. You know, like I have to kind of like, oh, it's Rosenberg writing Jason. Got to kind of check it out now. Hmm. So, you know, it's just it's weird to me because he was like how I felt about Jason Todd is how you feel about Guy Gardner. And now that they're taking my reasons away, you know, and I can't I can't do that anymore. And it's, it's very frustrating. Oh, well. Uh, were you rating Task Force Z issue one? Uh, I'm gonna give this an eight. Uh, I'm probably just gonna give it a seven. Uh, but I dug it. I had fun. Uh, and I'm gonna read issue two. I had a good time with it, and uh, I think Rosenberg tends to be a very dependable, just kind of like fun writer, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to someone who writes important stuff, <laughs> which is like an insult almost. Yeah. But like, you know, it feels like a void. Uh, in the in the list of comics, uh, that I think is uh, dependable so uh yeah. cool task force z issue one deathstroke inc issue two joshua williamson writing with howard porter on art uh matt you read this so yes i did and you're very enthusiastic about it about the old accounts. i am very enthusiastic because again fun this is this is why i like reading comics and stuff like this is we get canary deathstroke in a batman suit which looks like the batman suit from that endgame story where um, Joker Jokerized uh, at least Superman, and that Bruce had this big bat armor that could go into space. I think uh, the he one, gave it the to one, Lois. Yeah, the one that Lois wore for that that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, Toy Man ha- has been given access to this, or he built a replica one, and that they're going up to investigate this satellite because it has stopped responding to the organization they work for for trust. Uh, and they get up there, and it's Cyborg Superman. And um, he's trying to take control of this satellite, 
and um, the satellite's power source, which is this very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, very niche character called the Weird. Are you familiar with the Weird at all? I can't say I am. So he looks like a ninja. He has a wonky eye, wears this red hood with a black suit. He had popped up post Infinite Crisis in the Ran Thanagar books. But essentially, he's a living energy being. And here, the satellite and Cyborg Superman are using him as an energy source. So Deathstroke and Canary are up there to kind of stop Cyborg Superman and rescue this crew. And they get up there and they're fighting Cyborg Superman. And then it's revealed that it's not just a robotic suit of armor, but Hero, uh, the toy man, had gone along because he's always wanted to go to space. And this is where we get the title, which is called I Hate Space. Thester goes, oh, that's good, kid. I I, I hate space. Um, a lot of fun action throughout. And um, Canary is like, this sucks. I can't use my scream because, you know, they're up in space. The sound doesn't travel. And uh, Hero realizes that Cyborg Superman really isn't a being, right? He's a living uh, techno organism that downloads his consciousness into machines. So he's like, well, I can hack that. So over the course of the issue, while they're fighting all of his minions that he's bringing to life and trying to free the weird, um, he ends up hacking, hero hacks Cyborg Superman and shuts him down from the inside, which then lets the weird go, which as Deathstroke goes to, to rescue him, he gets this like weird vision of a bunch of things that are going on right now in the DC universe which is wild. And so we we got what looks like War World. We have like Swamp Thing fighting uh, Parasite. It looks like the New Gods. There's Checkmate there. You have the Dark Dark Side. You have Dark Star, that energy vampire you talked about with Flash last week. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. Got, we got young John Kent meeting the Flash uh, from Superman. Last Colin week. Robinson, of course, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> said energy vampire right yes 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 Colin Robinson. um we got we got um diana and and all the fates from that story um i'm looking here we got the justice society we got who else i gotta zoom in here some of the we got the the yellow lanterns we got um i think that that's about it um more new gods in uh dark dark side and uh the weird says thanks because he's freaking and then he blips out of existence. Um, and then Deathstroke goes back into and they find out that the satellite was trust to begin with. And they weren't told that when they were sent there and that it was putting out this message. that says, stay away. Earth is ours, which then leads to the 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 one lady who was there, their contact last time. I forget her name. Basically, the. Um, they need them to return all this data that they recovered and that they have another mission for them. And you have to go track down the dangerous criminal named Barbara Minerva. And, and you know who that is, right? I'll be honest, Matt, I wasn't really listening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what are you saying? They have to track down the dangerous criminal Barbara Minerva. Oh, right. Cheetah. Yes, yes. That's true. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Right and so Cheetah... You know, Trust believes that they need to to bring her in for her crimes with the Legion of Doom. 
Wait, is this why you're so and excited about the Sessions? Because Cheetah ended up. No, well, I'm excited for all the all the continuity stuff that that Williamson's bringing in, and yeah, Deathstroke and Canary in space taking out you know androids, and it's just right. But so, um, Deathstroke goes, "That's fine. We'll find her." She goes, "No, we we know where she is." But getting there is going to be the real challenge. And it, it you turn the page, and she just hold up in this castle that looks like it's in this rainforest. It's up on a ledge, and there's a draw like a like a, a rope bridge, and there's waterfalls coming from it. And she is surrounded by like legions of cat people. And it goes into the castle. They're all chanting "Hail Queen Cheetah," and it looks like she's in Wonder Woman's armor. And she is sitting on a throne. Um, and so it says, next, long live Queen Cheetah, a.k.a. Journey to Cheetera. Um, and yeah, man, it, this is just Williamson having tons of fun. My only main drawback is a lot of the art is done in two-page spreads. I mm. mean, but there's a lot of panels, so I don't feel like we're losing anything. But the majority of this book is in double-page spreads. But... Oh, oh, you it mean, still looks great. So you mean two-page layouts then rather than spreads? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, Two-page layouts, I'm sorry. Um, but the way that the way that Porter divides it up, you don't feel like you're losing anything because they're not big splash pages. But they're big, almost like widescreen, almost epic kind of storytelling. So you don't feel like you're getting short-shrifted anything either. I mean, you get a sequence of when, when Deathstroke goes to fight Cyborg Superman while while they're being hacked, while Cyborg Superman's being hacked, it looks like he has this double-bladed lightsaber, and it's just like, why not? Like, he's up in space, um, and, and just, yeah, just the Howard Porter not doing flash art is something I, I didn't think I was gonna really enjoy, but just here, he's just having fun with the spacesuit designs, the satellite that they're on, Cyborg Superman himself constantly, like, changing shape, like there's this one page down on the bottom or a panel at the bottom where he's reaching into the computer and the closer he gets to the right side of the screen, the green ones and zeros start coming up. So it's like he's tapping into the to the, you know, digital interface side of things. And yeah, it's just it's a really fun book. It's something like in in theory, I was ready for with like, oh, yeah, Williamson doing Deathstroke. And then, oh, you know, Black Canary is a co-lead. And then Toy Man's here now. Because the title page on this one, it says, you know, Deathstroke and Black Canary and Toyman in I Hate Space. Um, so each issue almost feels like, not standalone per se, but it's, you know, each one feels like this is the space issue. The last one was the introduction where they where they fought the those goons, which I'm having a hard time remember because it's been a month. Um, well, it was Hive. It was Hive. I don't know. It was Hive. Thank yeah. you with the... With the creepy bee people and the honey. Yes, That's yes. right. Yes. So, you know, uh, it's just a fun book. I do recommend it. Like, it's like, sure, it's not the most necessary. That said, Williamson throwing in the kind of threads that seem important to the future of DC, where things seem to be headed, and, and tying Swamp Thing in. Because, like I said earlier, Swamp Thing's kind of been in its own little, like, group. Like, yeah, we've had Suicide Squad show up, but... It's kind of not connected to the rest of the DC. Here, whatever the weird saw or Deathstroke saw through the weird, it's all there. The you know the Justice League Incarnate stuff, as well. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. 
So I'm, I'm going to give this an 8.5. Whoa. Some big yeah. scores come from that this week. Yep, yep. All right, cool. Um, So that'll take us on to... Uh, well, it's the last new book, actually, so that'll take us on to uh, my Patreon book uh, for the week. Uh, so, every month on patreon.com slash mailfuzztv, uh, one of the higher tiers, you can make myself or Connor read a book once per month, and I am reading American Vampire Survival of the Fittest, issue 3, so I had two vampire books to read today. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I'm all vamped out, uh, for sure. Uh, yep. So, this is... Uh, the story of Cash uh, and Felicia going and infiltrating Nazi Germany uh, to find this scientist who may have a cure for vampirism. Uh, the cliffhanger of the last issue was that they go to this presentation and the Nazis have an entire squadron of vampires. And it, it, you know, it almost played the cliffhanger like, oh, that's it, they're screwed. Uh, but sure enough, like they they keep the the charade up and they sit down for the presentation and there's a lot of talk from the 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 commandant here uh, to talks about why they're working with vampires because isn't this kind of against the whole Aryan race thing? You know, vampires <laughs> kind of aren't the purest, uh, right? But it basically says, well, it turns out that these main vampires, the 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 main sort of the Carpathian race. They're the main one, kind of like how we're the main human race, and they hate all the other races of vampires. So we have a lot of similarities in a lot of ways, so we're kind of working together. But more than anything, they have a lot of money, and they're paying us a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, we're willing uh, to work boy. with them. Uh, plus, um, also... The... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, and also it turns out that uh, using vampires in combat situations is very effective, because they're very vicious and kill a lot of things very easily. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask, since you're reading this all fresh, is this the first time that it hints that other monsters are just other forms of vampires? Like, it's like a virus that mutated? Uh, kind, kind of. I don't know if it actually implies okay. that all types of monsters are vampires, but <laughs> this is the one where the, the doctor is into this, uh, like, speech about how certain vampires have different weaknesses, but and certain <laughs> vampires are only, like, sunlight effects... Uh, the main type of vampire, but if you go further back to ancient types of vampire, only one actual, like only ultraviolet C, for example, affects this one type of vamp right. vampire. Whereas, right. you know, and we know the American vampire is fine to go out in sunlight because Pearl and Skinner can go out in sunlight. Uh, their right. weakness is gold well, and, and uh, gold, not silver. Yes, and also, uh, you say that as if silver is meant to be a normal vampire weakness. I disagree with that. No, That's no, it is. No, on fact for you. As I've been listening to different Halloween themed podcasts, um, it wasn't until the movies of the 1930s that silver was the weakness for werewolves, right? They needed something. Silver has always been more uh, associated with vampires through different folklores because silver tended to have a healing property. Like there's a form of, of silver that they use in surgery because it's antibacterial and antiviral, antifungal, right? And like, the reason that vampires can't see themselves in mirrors is because traditionally mirrors were lined with silver, so they couldn't reflect. So yes, so traditionally, when you come to vampire lore, silver is the weakness, not not just sunlight and wood stakes. So there. Come on, man. Well, I all my response to that, Matt, is simply that I could not give a shit. Uh, I grew up with... Tons of movies, tons of TV shows that taught me that silver was a werewolf weakness and not a vampire one. Uh, well, they, 
They were wrong. So I don't care. I don't like it. I don't like it. I do not like Silver being a weakness of vampires. I hate it. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> well, take that up. Take that up with 18th century Romanian folklore. I don't have to. I'm happy to forget. Yeah. You know, and apparently most people are happy to forget that that was ever a thing. And we can move on with with decent I'm rules. Putting, I'm I'm taking this to Twitter. <laughs> uh, well, one of the first things I didn't like about those Blade movies is that Silver was the weakness. I didn't like it. That's where. That's because it's traditional vampire folklore, Pete. They didn't just pull it out of their butt. I don't care about traditional vampire folklore. I care about uh, what my like. This is the thing. Every time there's a vampire movie or a vampire story, you always have to sort of like, okay, what are the rules for vampires in this? There's like a general mm-hmm. set that we accept, expect, but not all of them always are true. Like, even in the original Dracula book, Dracula can walk out in sunlight. It doesn't actually kill him. Yeah. Uh, you know, right. some some versions of... I, I just watched Jacob's Wife the other night, and the, yeah. inv- the invitation thing wasn't a rule. They could just walk in anywhere they wanted. So that was fine. Right. So you have to... With every version of vampires, you have to sort of, like, wait and see what their rules in their universe for vampires are. Uh, so, um, basically what I'm saying is, is that I prefer when the silver bollocks is not used. So, <laughs> that said though, in the context of American Vampire, given that we're dealing with this idea that every species of vampire has a different set of weaknesses, I'll accept that one of them in this has probably got a weakness of silver, uh, whereas yes. the American Vampire has a weakness of gold. Uh, but, the way Which you... I also like what that says about American culture, you know, versus other culture, right? Like, mm. Gold's a weakness of ours as as a society. As a fil- filthy then, capitalist society. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes. So yes. Uh, keep keep. You know what? Vampires have got enough weaknesses. We got sunlight. We got wooden stakes. We got garlic. We got the invitation rule. We got all this stuff, right? We got crosses even, right? Uh, those burning vampires have enough. Werewolves can keep the silver weakness in general. Yeah, I mean. The one good part of that argument is Monster Squad, is that there's only one way to kill a werewolf, you know, because you can't kick him in the nards and, and just defeat him. Um, or, or, you know, I don't want to spoil Monster Squad for people that haven't seen it, but they proved to you that it, it's the silver. That's the main weakness. By the way, mm-hmm. did you ever realize who the actor that played the werewolf was in Monster Squad? Oh, no. <laughs> what is it? Uh, okay. It's Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, John Grease, who's also been in other things. Uh, he was on Lost. Uh, he was one of the Dharma people. But yeah, watching Monster Squad back at the beginning of the month, yeah, I was I, like, oh man, I never realized this. I'm going to know more for that, because I only saw Napoleon Dynamite once yeah. and hated it, so I'm not going to remember gotcha. anyone from Napoleon Dynamite. Uncle Rico's fantastic. He can throw uh, that football over the mountain. You can throw Napoleon Dynamite in the same trash fire that the Silver Can Hurt Vampires rule goes in uh quite frankly so uh i'll hear nothing else to it thank you very much um uh, <laughs> look we all have our preferred rules for vampires and zombies and you know i like slow zombies i don't think they should be running around generally i don't hate every example of them running around but i pr- they should be slow they're zombies um that, that's just how i feel on the matter uh like so sometimes when it feels like they try to do other rules and stuff it's just kind of like Oh, we want ours to feel different from other stories. Uh, not that I'm saying that about American Vampire, because American Vampire's whole concept is that there's all these other species of vampire, and they all have their own set of right. rules. 
and that's okay that i like because that is like a, a larger it's, it's almost like a weird meta way of trying to explain why there is so many different rules for vampires and different stories is that they've well, all they've all kind of originated from all these different species and it's kind of like a weird play on that and well what i like what snyder does with the story too is that it's it is a biological drive of vampires right it is a virus that mutates so of course over time it's going to get different specialties you know um and so like right the american vampire like you said can go in the sun their weakness is gold their venom's even different when they bite people it's more like a rattlesnake venom versus whatever the carpathian vampires is like so um i just remember and i can't remember if it was in survival of fittest or later like they say that werewolves are a form of vampirism but it's been offshooted so much long ago they're almost their own subspecies um, and same with like zombies, because in one of the books you'll end up you'll end up fighting zombies that are a form of vampire that you know consumes the body quicker, you know, and they they crave they don't just crave just blood, you know they're they're full cannibalistic and it's just it's a fun touch on on monster storytelling. Mm. All right, to get back to this issue though, uh, yeah. since Matt got us off onto a, a wild tangent about vampire rules. Uh, so they're, they're forced to sit and watch this presentation. They're playing it cool, although Felicia's, like, ready to fight anyone who looks at her, pretty much, uh, as he's explaining all this stuff with the light. And he, he pulls out this light gun that he's built, and he has Cash try it out in a couple of cage vampires. Uh, apologies for the Skype noise that just happened there. Uh, but uh, I assume Matt will be back any second now. I'll just keep going. Uh, so... Yeah, so he burns a couple of vampires they've got in cages, and he's all fine to do this, uh, until, of course, he uh, has to shoot a vampire in a cage who is the same species of vampire as his son, and is very reminiscent of how his son looks, and he can't do it. So Felicia kind of steps in and sort of, like, covers for him and says, no, give me a turn. But she can see that this is hurting them, she can see that this is an emotionally affecting moment for him. So their, their bonding's kind of growing, uh, Cash is kind of shaken up at this point, and they go back up to the room, they refuse uh, an offer to go and have some tea or whatever it is. And, like, shit. Like, they've got a guard outside who's basically there to keep an eye on them. Even if they're still convincing them that they're these American investors who are going to, like, join up with the, the Nazi effort, they won't believe it for long if they don't already suspect that there's some sort of ruse going on. So we have to suit up, we have to sneak out, we have to get the scientist and we have to go. So we get them sneaking around, rappelling down the side of the the, the castle, uh, going into all the various. There's a lot of good art here. There's a lot of good like creeping around the shadows in the walls as they're uh, snooping, and they get to the scientist who takes them down into the, sort of the caverns of the basement. And is like, like this is where we can go. And it's a great art here as they're holding up a lantern as these they're on this little robot, and the cliffhanger at the end of the issue is that there's no way out here, right? This, this, this whole cavern system is designed to, like, confuse people uh, from whoever, like, he talks about whoever built this castle before the Nazis. It was, like, it was all about having, like, a way to get away from enemies and stuff like that. But it's not, it, it doesn't actually have an exit. And, like, well, why are we down here, then? What are we looking for? Is like, well, because the best weapon we've got against the, the Nazi vampires is down here. And he's, like, so the end of the, the last page is all these statues of ancient vampires who are far more powerful who... The scientist is planning on waking up uh, to cause chaos. So, it's a big ending. Uh, it's an exciting thing. I think the mood of this one is very good. I mean, it basically boils down into three parts, which is 
them having to play along with all this presentation, then them sneaking around and all that stuff, and then sort of the ending of the the big reveal that there's going to be possibly these more like ancient vampires that are powerful and all that stuff. Honestly, it's hard to fault the fun and the pacing of this story. I think, uh, like them sitting through this presentation and it's setting up this weapon, which I feel it's going to come back into play, and them setting up these different types of vampires, uh, continuing this bond between the characters. You know, one of the, the things that I talked about the most last issue that I really liked was the the moment of vulnerability that they were showing each other when they were getting dressed in the room, and this kind of pays off in that a little bit by having her step in and you know uh, cover for him when he gets too emotional at one point uh, and then again when they're when they're getting changed into their their work clothes as it were in the room it doesn't linger on it as much as it did last issue but there was kind of a moment where you know he is kind of looking at her a little bit as they're getting changed um and it just kind of feels like you know they're they're more of a working unit now at this point uh where there is kind of a trust and camaraderie building up beyond just uh what was there before so uh, it makes it very easy to root for them. It's building a lot of mythology, as this book has constantly done since like issue one. Uh, so it left me feeling very excited for the next issue. Uh, so yeah, eight point five out of ten, comfortably. Not not much more to add. Nice. So there you go, American Vampire Survival of the Fist issue three, uh, and I will get to my next Patreon book, which is Animal Man, next week. So. Yeah, uh, that'll take us out the part of the show, though, where we pick our favourites of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five books. So I will ask Matt to give me his panel slash moment. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, let's see, man, there's a lot to pick from. Do I go from Vampires? Do I go from Deathstroke, Inc.? Do I go from Robin, Wonder Girl, Detective? And those are all good. But I think I'll go from Robin... And it's when he blocks Flatline mm. um, from ripping out his heart once more. Um, and then just how that plays out. It's a real good, real, real good moment. Yeah, I mean, I could pick something from Long Halloween. I, I, I was actually tempted to land on Robin as well. I was going to go with the actual death moment uh, where he's like, just yeah. through the white background and Alfred puts his hand on his shoulder. I really like that moment. So I'm going to go with that. But uh, it's a credit to it that there's a lot of competition this week. And I think Robin's like, holding its own uh against some very stiff competition so uh best cover of the week i kind of came down to i mean as this my parody at this point but it's either the behermo variant for detective or the matina variant for vampires uh <laughs> really not a lot to be said there uh, I, I will say that the uh the long halloween main cover is a very kind of nostalgic one uh but yeah not necessarily the best cover, though, I would say. Uh, so I, I think I'll probably go with the Matina variant on Vampire. Cause it's just Batman with vampire fangs and red eyes. It, you know, it's... That's good. Yeah, you know, it's spooky. It, it fits the mood. So. See, I didn't even look at variants this week. Uh, when I should have been, so now I'm... Watching for time. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, whenever, <laughs> whenever you're ready, man. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'll go with the Deathstroke Inc. Uh, variant. I think it's Tina. I can't tell. Because there's no name. It's the Cardstock variant. Okay. But it's, uh, yeah, it's really, really nice. I'll go have a Let look at it. Let me Just... look. Oh, yeah, it is Matina. I'll, 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 it's probably fantastic then. Oh, that's pretty yeah. nice. You're right. That was a really nice cover. Yeah. 
I have to admit, I didn't look at the Deathstroke covers because I didn't read it, but uh, maybe right. I'll, maybe, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll catch up for next issue. Since I, I did enjoy yeah. issue one, I just I just didn't have it in me for another book this week. I, I reached yeah. my limit and I was done. I got you. Uh, but cool. Uh, all right, best art of the week. What you got? Ooh, this one's tough. Mm. Yeah, because I like the Robin art, but Mora's right there. But so I'm gonna go Schmidt with vampires. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there's a lot of good choices this week. Yeah. Uh, Schmidt is great on vampires. Uh, Mora's fantastic. Melnikov is solid. Joel Jones is is good. Barrows is solid at what he's doing. I'm tempted to go with Long Halloween with Tim Sale, but I think I still may like more just a little bit more. That's really? a, a tough choice. Uh, you know, I'll give it to Sale. It's not like I get to say Tim Sale often, right? It's not like there's a lot of books to pop up these days with Tim Sale's name on it, so I'll give it to Long Halloween. I'll, I'll give it the nostalgia bump. Uh, so, yes, Long Halloween. Yeah. All, right. Uh, all right, top five books, Matt, go. All right, number one, Robin. Number two, Tech. Number three, Deathstroke Inc. Number four, Vampires. And number five, Task Force Z. Okay, my number one is probably Detective. Uh, number two will be... <laughs> I'll be... I had a lot of similar scores this week. This is actually really hard. Usually I just yeah. think about my ratings and just go from there. But All right. Yeah, number one is Detective. I'll say number two is dcv's vampires number three i'll go long halloween special number four robin number five uh task force Z. yeah yeah okay there we go nice and neat uh, and i'll take this time to tell you what is coming next week from dc comics so coming up next week we have batman 116 we have the swamp mm-hmm. thing issue nine the penultimate issue of season one of swamp thing so uh stay tuned we have Dark Knights of Steel issue one, the new Tom Taylor uh, alternate continuity book. So if you're into that kind of mm-hmm. thing, I uh, look forward to that. Batman Reptilian issue five, Teen Titans Academy issue seven, Arkham City, The Order of the World issue two. Uh, I really enjoyed issue one of that, so I'm looking forward to issue two of that. Uh, Human Target issue. I didn't realize we were already there's already time for the new Tom Me- King book. Me neither. I'm very excited. Yeah, big stuff next week. Uh, Joker presents a puzzle box issue four. Superman seventy eight issue three. Batman the Art Adventure continues issue. Uh, sorry, Adventure continues season two issue six. Justice League Infinity issue five. Batman Superman the Authority special issue one. Crushing Lobo issue six. Mister Miracle the Source of Freedom issue six. And Soul Plumber issue two. Uh, a lot of stuff there I don't read in the back half of that list, but there's a lot of good stuff in that first half. Oh, man. So Human Target, Arkham City, uh, Donnie Steel, Swamp Thing, and Batman. Uh, so some meaty stuff next so, week. Sink teeth into. So the Batman Superman Authority special is Philip Kennedy Johnson, and um, I think it plays into the War World stuff. So, so you, you might want to... Okay, so you're that thinking that this might be worth reading then. Yeah, okay. it says, Following Mongols' brazen attack on Earth, Superman's role has been turned upside down. Conflict between Atlantis and the surface world. The discovery of an immensely powerful new element, dead refugees with the mysterious ties of Krypton, and expulsion from the Justice League. When Superman reforms the experimental anti-establishment authority to join him in liberating Warworld, Batman comes with them for a request. Join him for one unorthodox off-the-books mission first. Maybe not. One he could never ask the Justice League to be part of, and one he doesn't expect everyone to come back from. No, having read all of that, maybe not. This doesn't seem to tie into Warworld outside of 
okay. establishing the authority in current continuity, not the Morrison sure. continuity. All so, right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a mate because it has Johnson, so it may be good, but uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be I'll be checking it out because uh, there's not much else. You know, yeah. uh, Dark Knights of Steel, Swamp Thing, Batman, Human Target. So I, if I can get Arkham City issue one read. We'll you, you, you should. It was good. I would recommend. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Sorry. It's another good horror book, Matt. Like seriously. Yeah. Good. Cre- All right. Creepy villain. Oh, you have to tell me. Yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, you gotta tell me. Uh, yeah. So cool, cool, cool. Uh, I just noticed on that cover of Batman Superman Authority. Uh, yeah. they've definitely got a bit of a Christopher Reeve vibe going for that Superman yeah. there. I'm noticing. Uh, Let's just see uh, who the artist is for that cover. Pointing that out there. Uh. So now that that's pretty much the show. Uh, I will uh, take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. And of course, uh, you Stanley. can support us over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as a dollar per month and help keep all the content coming. Uh, you can, of course, support us for free by simply hitting the like button, subscribing, commenting on YouTube, or rating us five stars with a nice review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. All that stuff does help. Uh, you can share us out on the social medias. You can get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. So, you know, hit that, hit that follow button on there as well. Um, all good stuff. Uh, and of course, if you're a five dollar up patron, you do get the show uh, a day early. You get it whenever it's out of the oven on a Saturday, uh, and go from there. So, uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, you can, of course, uh, was there anything else to tell you? I don't know if there is. Maybe that, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm done. Uh, uh, no, uh, there you go. So that's the show. That is episode two seven seven. Uh, we're back next week. And maybe the ginger will return. Uh, maybe he won't. Yeah. We'll find out. Uh, I don't know what his work schedule's like yet, but um, uh, we almost had Tim on this issue episode. We did, yeah. Jo- Tim jokingly said he would pop on, and then we said, "Sure, we're not started yet. Come on!" And then immediately it was like, "Oh no, I'm looking after the baby." <laughs> so he bluffed. <laughs> he was bluffing. We called uh, him on his bluff. I still thought he should have came on with the kid. I think it would have been uh, an episode like none other. It, it would definitely have been a different episode that's for sure uh so yes but yeah thank you once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep reading dc comics uh just remember to never get lost in the speed force and pete on halloween everyone's entitled to one good scare